Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Happy Hour Friday! Right here on the Sports Bash, live on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. What's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Mike Gill. Josh Henning is producing today's show. You out there, happy hour Friday, everybody. But really, the happy hour starts tomorrow. Hopefully, you're not hungover. Don't drink too much tonight. You have two early ones tomorrow. Sixers at 2 with a closeout sweep. And the Phillies tomorrow at 4.05. So you got bang, bang. One after the other. What's your day drinking tomorrow? Take it easy tonight on Happy Hour Friday. What's your day drinking drink of choice? Tomorrow, Sixers, right here on 97.3 ESPN. I have it all lined up already. And I will share it with you in just a little bit, Josh. How are you? I'm good. I, I Knowing you, I'm sure the fridge is stocked and loaded and ready. The, the fridge is uh, ready to go. We had the uh, first wave of stocking the fridge last weekend. Ooh. I'll do the second wave tonight. The first wave. That's right. I last like weekend, I made a that. stop on the way home, mm-hmm. and I will uh, finish that off tonight and finish that all out and uh, fill the fridge. Fill the fridge. Well, you know what I would like to see you do? I'd like to see when you go to Slack Tie next Thursday for the Eagles draft party, stock up again for the fridge. Well, I will certainly be bringing some home with me. That's what I mean. I definitely, I already have some Slack Tide in my fridge. So There's never enough Slack Tide. I, will, I already have some in the fridge. I'm ready to go for tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I, I like, we were just talking about this. We went to dinner with some friends last night. And we're telling the friends, we were talking about traveling and different things we want to do. And, you know, as you get older, you know, when you were younger, you would go to places and you would go out till two, three. I can make it till four in the morning. Oh, yes. I remember. But now I like to be started by four so I can be in bed by nine. Right? That's fair. That's but the way it, to go. That works out tomorrow because the Sixers are at 2. Yeah. The Phillies are at 4.05. So by the time the Phillies game is done, you can Ready for just bed. back. Remember? Um, Fall asleep to the Nets Celtics. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for tomorrow night. We got a, a triple header for you right here tomorrow on 97.3 ESPN. You'll have the radio on all day. Uh, you'll be able to start with uh, the best of the sports bash. You got the locker with Billy Schwein. And then you got the Sixers at 2. That will take you to the Phillies-Brewers game at 4.30. And then from the Phillies-Brewers, we will take you to the Nets and Celtics. All right here on 97.3 ESPN. So we got you covered. Sixers, Phillies, and Brooklyn versus Boston. There's no three better games that you're going to want to listen to. So you'll have that radio locked all day tomorrow. Also, today I've got the final 
five chances to qualify. Four on the Sports Bash, one on game night tonight. So you have five more chances to qualify for Pick Your Trip. Next Thursday, we'll be at Slack Tide. So it is a busy time. We've got a lot going on. A lot of the sports are happening. The NBA playoffs. Wow, we had some uh, storylines last night. We also, look, last night's games were excellent. You had some really good games last night in terms of the drama. That Minnesota-Memphis game, which we had on the radio here, was just, (laughs) we talk about blowing leads a lot, and I say, look, if you watch the Sixers, you would think they're the only team that ever blows a big lead. It's an (laughs) epidemic in the NBA. It is. It's an epidemic of blowing big leads in the NBA. It happens all the time. And people are like, well, why does it happen all the time? The three-point shot. The three-point shot gets you back into a game so quickly Minnesota's winning that game by 20 at the end of one or 19 or 18 or whatever it was. At the, the end of one. The largest lead was 26. Yeah, they're killing Memphis. Now, Memphis got back into the game uh, around halftime. They cut into that lead. But right back out of the gates, Minnesota goes back up. And it looks like they're going to go smooth sailing. They gave up 37 in the fourth and only scored 12. They got blown out of the game. It was Minnesota at home. Got blown out last night in a game they were up by, what, 26? The largest lead was 26. Unbelievable. Uh, Memphis is good, though. I think Memphis has a shot to make it to the NBA Finals, especially now with Devin Booker being out. They're fun to watch. Bain, I mean, man, where these teams that find these guys. Like, how many people out there remember Bain at all in college? Not me. I couldn't even tell you what college you went to. No, I remember him because he played the Big 12, but that's just stupid, like, nonsense Where'd he go, stuff. Texas Tech or nah, something? No, he was at TCU. Yeah, I would not have guessed that. But still, like, how many people <laughs> remember Desmond Bean or guys like Jordan Poole? Like, these guys are just uh, uh, Maxie. Like, you might know Maxie went to Kentucky because he plays for the Sixers now, but how many of you remember him at college? This is where the college basketball thing is so lost in the sauce. Is these guys don't, you don't even remember where they went. You don't even, they're not memorable anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, I used to be able to rattle off. I remember one night my friend went to Syracuse, and, you know, we probably had way too much to drink. It's two o'clock in the morning, the Syracuse bars closed early. Lame. Lame school. Wait, two, what time did they close? Like two. That's horrible. For a college town, yeah, terrible. So two o'clock, and they might have even been one, and we were on his couch by two. So we probably had too much to drink. And his roommate, you know, is reading off NBA Live every single player in the game. And I had to say where they went to college. And I literally would get, I would probably say I got 90% of them right. I would have guessed 95. And his amazement at my ability to recollect where these guys went to college. I couldn't do that now. You know why? These guys played one year. Back then, every guy played three or four years, and you remembered where they went to college because they played three and four years at that school. But, like, these guys who are stepping up right now, Desmond Bain and Jordan Poole and Tyrese Maxey, I mean, they're just coming out of the woodworks. Because you don't remember these guys in college. No. Now, Poole is an interesting story. Now, he went to probably of all the – well, Kentucky's bigger than Michigan. But Poole went to Michigan. And, you know, Poole didn't even start as a senior on his high school basketball team. Did you hear that story? I heard them mention on the broadcast, yeah. Jeez. I mean, even Anthony Edwards, the number one pick in the draft. How many people really – like right now, if I say, where did Anthony Edwards go to college? 
That one I actually do remember. I'm not saying you. I'm talking about the average Joe out there. And I say Anthony Edwards, the number one overall pick. How many people know where he went to college? Very few. And in the listening audience today, how many of you know where Anthony Edwards went to college? He was the number one overall pick. I would say my guess would be it's about 50-50 in the audience. And I'm trying to be kind to the audience. Just because I like the people out there. You like those people. I like the people that listen to the show. And I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you probably know where, and I'm saying 50%. I really think in my mind it's 25%. But I'm being nice today because it's happy hour Friday. How many people know where John Morant went to college? <laughs> Seriously. it's a good point. He's one of the biggest stars in the league. How many people know where John Morant went to college? How many people know where Clay Thompson went to college? That is a good one, yeah. I mean, Clay Thompson was not some superstar coming into the league. He wasn't a well-known college player. He yeah. didn't have some great standout college career, right? No. I was thinking about this last night as I'm watching these games about how little I remember of so kind of tied in with the Jay Wright thing that we were talking about yesterday. And speaking of Jay Wright. The voice of the Wildcats. Cats win! Cats win! Ryan Fannin will join me at the bottom of the hour. Uh, excuse me, around 2.45 today for Ryan Fannin. Uh, he's going to be in the McGarry spot. McGarry's going to jump on in about 10 minutes from now. But the conversation we were having about Jay Wright yesterday got me thinking. And then I listened to his press conference today. And he was asked about why now and is the NIL and all that stuff. And then you just can't help but think, like, Colin Gillespie. I know where Colin Gillespie, you remember, he played six years. It was there for like 10 years, it felt like. But, like, I'm watching these guys last night, and you just don't know who they are. There's so many guys that are playing in these NBA playoffs that you're like, wait, where did this guy come from? How come this, where's this guy from? But you know who you do know? Brunson. He might not be a big name all year long, but when they've needed him, Brunson has been there. Why? Well, Brunson's played three years in college at Villanova, and he outduels Mitchell last night. Well, Mitchell had 32, I think. Brunson had 31. But you know what I'm saying. That, that, like, I'm looking around so many of these teams, and I'm like, where do they get some of these guys? That Mavericks lineup, Finney, Smith, Bullock, Powell, Dinwiddie, Brunson, they just beat the Jazz last night. In Utah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That 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 Jazz team, Keith Smith brought up a good point yesterday. They're going to break that team up. That team's done. They're going to blow that thing up. Danny Ainge is out there now. Remember, Danny Ainge is out of Boston. He gets picked up in Utah. He is going to break that team up. I would imagine that Utah team, Mitchell will be gone or Gobert will be gone. One of those two guys will not be back, Right. Uh, I'm going to assume possibly maybe even both of them. Possibly even both. But I'm saying one stays, one goes, I would imagine at the very least. Yeah, especially considering how much both of those guys are going to command contractually. I don't think Utah wants to keep moving forward with that money. No, and Gobert is almost becoming unplayable now. He can't score. He has no offensive game. I mean, he gives you 15 because he gets to put back the dips. Right. Yes, he's the defensive player of the year a couple times, but... He was a minus 16 last night. How about the comment, too? I guess this is in regards to 
Uh, Jokic is getting ripped. I mean, he's getting blasted. Oh, and he's getting blasted in the league now. Yeah. So the comment last night that Draymond Green makes after the game. Did you see this? I did. He basically makes the comment I saw the sports there last that time. there are regular season players and there are playoff players. And how many times have we said that about NFL? Like, you know, Peyton Manning. We called him. Remember, he was supposed to be the regular season guy, but Brady was the postseason guy. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The MVP award is a regular season award. It is. So everybody needs to remember that when you're talking about this. But it is interesting that collectively inside the league it feels like people really don't respect Jokic as the MVP doesn't it have that feeling like everybody's almost out to prove that they voted for the wrong guy yeah every player around the league says they would not give the award to Jokic almost every guy says they give it to him beat the players say that now of course the players don't vote for the MVP so that seems to be part of the reason why as you mentioned Mike these players seem to be wanting to drive the message home. For now, Jokic America. last night, by the way, had 37 points, 18 rebounds, mm-hmm. five assists, yep. and three steals. So if you went to me and said, and Bede showed you why he was the MVP because he hit the game-winning shot, at the end of the day, Jokic had better numbers than Bede did. Well, he actually dwarfed his numbers. He had 37 sure. and 18. Right. but You're telling me if he had Murray and Porter Jr. that that team probably would have they might be winning this series they probably would be but here's the part of the problem Jokic one of the things that made him this phenom during the regular season was the assist numbers during the season he was able he to had go five out assists there. last night he averages eight yeah well that's my point he's he's averaged below his assist total for this series but you got to keep in mind he scored 37 so he scored more so his assists are going to be down they are but what my point is is that there's a lot of people now who are pointing to that and they're saying, you know, what made Jokic great the regular season was he got his teammates involved. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, now the other flip side of the coin is, you know, there's two sides of the coin, is he's scoring because he can't depend on his teammates because he didn't have Murray and Porter out there. That's yeah. probably part of the conversation as well because, you know, their second – and third best scorers this year were Will Barton and Aaron Gordon. Yeah, the, the Nuggets. You watched them last night, and and I'm just saying they they don't have enough. They just don't have enough. That yeah. team is short on talent, man. You got Bones Highland coming off the bench. I know he ripped the Sixers that one night they played, but I mean seriously, one night in February, what? You, yeah, right. You, and Austin Rivers is one of their. T- I think he played the most minutes out of anybody off the bench last night. I think he did because he played almost thirty. I mean, they're minutes playing last Bryn night. Forbes and Austin Rivers and Bones Highland. There's some great. My names. gosh, I mean that team. They have no business being a six seed with that <laughs> roster yet. Jokic somehow got them there, so tip of the cat to him. And you see why: thirty-seven points, eighteen rebounds. But that story last night: Warriors win. They're now up three games to none. They're going to sweep that series. I think Denver's done. Uh, what else happened last night? What was the third game last night? What was the third game last night? It was... Well, we just mentioned the TNT doubleheader. So. Oh, Dallas. I, I did. I got all three. Got Memphis, all three. Minnesota. Memphis wins. They're up 2-1. Dallas, Utah. Yep. Dallas is up 2-1. And uh, Golden State, Denver. So uh, the, the results of these series will be this. Golden State's going to sweep. That'll be my pick there. Uh, Dallas will beat Utah. I don't care what the series is. But Utah will break that team up. And Memphis will beat Minnesota. And my thought on that would be, 
one of those two teams, Memphis or Minnesota, I think Memphis has a shot to go to the, the finals. But I think both of these teams, the result of this will be both of these teams will now be perennial. No matter who loses this series, they will be top four seeds next season. I think both those teams. That Minnesota, that Anthony Edwards, man, he's good. Man, he's good. You could argue that he's become a more important player to that team than Cat is. There's no question. There's Cat, no question about Cat it. Cat gets all the attention in the you know, all the headlines, but Edwards has made a more of an impact now, on the a- series. Anthony Edwards is a star. He's going to be the problem. He's a little small in terms of height. He's only like six four, six five. So I was going to say, like, he almost has a LeBron type of look and like game, but LeBron's like 6'8". Right. Edwards isn't quite that because he's a broad guy, Edwards. Yeah. He's kind of like a... He looks like he's probably going to put on more muscle in the next few years. I like his game a lot. He's fun. So if you haven't been watching that series, Edwards is worth your time. John Morant's awesome. I mean, he didn't have a great game last night, but he's awesome. He's Bain, Bain shot seven of... Fi- he jacked up 15 threes last night. He did. Jeez almighty. <laughs> well, those games have been fun. Now, tonight, Let's get into tonight's action. No Sixers tonight. You got Miami and Atlanta. Now the series goes back to Atlanta. The question will be, will the series get 2-2? Will Atlanta hold serve and get their win tonight? I kind of feel like they will. I feel like, okay, maybe I'm the one guy that's a little too high on Atlanta. Maybe I give them too much credit because they went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Maybe I just like Trey Young more than most people do. But I feel like Atlanta gets this one. So I think when we're back on Monday, I think Atlanta wins this game. I think that Atlanta was always going to win at least one game in this series because I feel like you can count on Trey Young to get like a 30-40 point game somewhere. Here's the the big problem, all right? The Heat won the last time they played by 10. They got 45 points from Jimmy Butler. I don't know that Butler is that kind of guy. He's not a 45-point-a-game night. He gets them every once in a while. He does. Yeah, so I I don't think you get that big night from Butler. You got Trey Young averaging 28, 10 assists. Bogdanovich has hit a bunch of threes. I think they go home. And you see that duo get hot. So I think the Hawks win this game tonight. We come back Monday. That game's uh, that series is 2-1. The other game tonight, this one's tough. Because now Middleton being out really changes the dynamic of this one. Middleton's out. The Bulls win in Milwaukee. I'm really intrigued by this one. I want to see how Milwaukee deals without having Chris Middleton. Because... What makes Milwaukee so good is that Giannis doesn't have to make all the big shots. Middleton has shown that he can make the big shots at times. So Giannis can kind of score all the points and hand it off to him. DeMar DeRozan, 41 the other night. He has been phenomenal this year. And then the Vucevic matchup, that's a tough matchup for the Bucs because Vucevic is more of a, you know, perimeter guy the Bucks don't really have that center that's uh, all that athletic with uh, I mean I guess when Portis comes in the game but then that takes uh, uh, Lopez off the floor that series has really got interesting all of a sudden really interested in how that one plays out we're tied 1-1 that game is in Chicago 
And then the third game tonight, man, this one is really interesting with no Booker. You got Phoenix in New Orleans going to the Pelicans. The Pelicans stole a game in Phoenix, and now they don't have to deal with Booker the rest of this series. If you're New Orleans, man, the only thing you got to worry about is not being too confident. Don't be overconfident Mm -hmm. in the game. So that's a look at what's going on in the NBA playoffs tonight. Sixers, of course, tomorrow. Boston and Brooklyn tomorrow. We got you covered. We'll talk a lot of Sixers today, how they can win this game, how they can sweep this series, and why it's important that they do sweep the series. By the way, if there is a game five, it will be 8 o'clock Monday night. And, of course, you can hear that game on 97.3 ESPN. Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City. Philly's getting ready for a three-game set with the Brouhaha's. We'll talk about that. We'll talk a little Sixers and more. Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City joins me next here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now, back to more Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. All right, 225 Sports Bash. Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City, I believe, is in Philly for the Phillies-Milwaukee series, which starts tonight. We'll get his thoughts on where the Sixers series is. Any concerns there? Has this team kind of grown up? Mike's been a part of following these teams throughout the process years. And I've always made the argument, Mike, that this team has just not been ready to win. They're a very young team. Hard to win in the NBA when your youngest players are your best teams. Uh, but are we have do we have enough evidence now that they are kind of past that moment, that they are a team that is now ready to take that next step? Well, we'll see. I think what we can say without question is that Joel Embiid is in the best shape and the most locked in and playing at the highest level he has been at for one of these playoff runs. So that's a good sign, right? I'm not, I don't know if they're ready to get past the second round. I think, you know, uh, against the Miami Heat in the second round is going to be an amazing test for them and, and will tell us a lot. But I think without question, we could say that Joel Embiid certainly looks ready to win and make that next step where in past playoff series, I don't think he looked quite that uh, quite ready to take that next step. There's no doubt he looks like it now. Yeah, 0 for 14 in the final shot, and I guess it's not um, you know what you'll want. It, like, we've talked so much, do they have that finisher? Do they have that guy? And I don't know that it's in beat every single night, but he has had so much failure in that moment. You wonder what that shot meant for him. Well, I think it's got to be a big confidence booster, right, for not only him and, and for the whole entire team. And, you know, and, and just series-wise, you know, there's a big difference between 3-0 and, and, and 2-1. I mean, this series, I mean, Toronto could conceivably get, you know, uh, game four and, and force uh, everybody back to Philadelphia for Monday night. But I don't think there's any doubt now that, that the Sixers are going to win the series where if Toronto wins game three and cuts it to 2-1, you've got a narrative. What, what, you know, is Toronto back in the series? You know, everybody's probably talking about the Sixers and their 24 turnovers and, and, and the way they handle the ball. Is that going to come back to bite them? No one's talking about that now. All they're talking about is how well Embiid's playing and the fact that the Sixers are up 3-0. and So I think not only for him, I think for the team, it, it completely changes the outlook of that first-round series. Yeah, and, you know, one of the big things in this series, too, has been, my God, they're hitting open shots. They're getting open looks, and they're hitting open shots. They shot over 40% from three in every single game in this series. So it's not just Joel Embiid, Mike. The ancillary players, which have not always been there in the past, 
um, are hitting shots right now. Yeah, and I wrote about him this week. Uh, I think Tobias Harris has just had a great series. Uh, do it, hitting open shots and even doing the little things like setting a great screen on the play that Freedom beat up for the game-winning shot the other night. I think you're getting you know a great series out of Tobias Harris. You're getting a, a very good series out of James Harden, maybe not scoring-wise, but as far as facilitating and getting open shots for teammates. And obviously you've seen Tyrese Maxey sort of go to another level in this series too. So you're right. It's not only Embiid, it is the other players. And, uh, you know, that's why they're up 3 nothing and, and on the verge of advancing to the second round. I do feel here is, the second round is, is where the rubber will meet the road. This has been their, you know, their Achilles heel in the past. It's been the second round. They've looked great in a lot of first rounds. They have not been able to do it in the second round. So, uh, you know, I do feel we'll even learn even more about this team in the second round. Yeah, that's been the bugaboo is, all right, you know, even with mostly with Ben Simmons, though. It's been Simmons has had good first series. It's that second series. He's not here now, uh, and it's now James Harden. And you wonder, Mike, it walks me right into my question, are they going to need a different, a better version of Harden, or is the one they have right now exactly the one they need? It it depends on how the series plays out. You know, if you have a series where Tyrese Maxey is going to play the way he's played and score the way he scored, then I think you can live with uh, James Harden not scoring as much as he has and, and getting a lot of assistance setting teammates up. I have a feeling, though, Mike, if it's the Miami Heat, you're going to need James Harden to come up big in the fourth quarter of the games, either get to the basket, create shots, get to the foul line. You're going to need him to be more active and score more uh, in the fourth quarter if it's the Miami Heat, which I, which I suspect it will be. So depending on how the series plays out, I think you know for this for the way the series has played out with Toronto, I think what Harden has done has been fine. I think you're right. If it's the Miami Heat in the fourth quarter of those games, I think you're going to need a little bit more offensively scoring from James Harden than you've gotten so far. Uh, Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City. Uh, real quick, um, biggest reason the Nets are down 0-2? Biggest reason, uh, the Boston Celtics defense. I mean, uh, I, I've watched a lot of these playoff games, and the Boston Celtics have just dug in on defense. I thought the defense that Tatum played on Durant in Game 2 was phenomenal. I thought the way they took Kyrie Irving out of Game 2 was phenomenal. I think it's the Boston Celtics defense. You know, I, I think I was thinking back, how would I rate the teams? You know, you watch a, a week's worth of NBA playoffs, and I've seen you know most of the games, if not all of them. How would I rank how the teams look? I'd go in the Eastern Conference. I'd probably go Boston one, Miami two, Philadelphia three, Brooklyn four. I, I think the Boston Celtics, uh, with the way they played defensively, uh, deserve a credit for being up 2-0 on Brooklyn right now. Yeah, and of course, uh, Middleton being out for Milwaukee, that really uh, hurts right, them big exactly. time. Yeah, exactly. That's why I put them five with that injury, and you know they might even be in trouble in that series without him uh, with the Bulls. So, uh, th- that's, uh, you know, and you never know how things are going to turn injury-wise. Look at Phoenix with Devin Booker. You know, no, uh, Who knows how long he'll be out, but but right now, I think the Boston Celtics and the way they defend is, uh, you know, that's playoff ready. That, that's playoff gold, the way they play defense. All right. Uh, can Ben Simmons change the complexion of that series? Or is he just a I, non-factor in your mind? Now, he says, I'm not going to play game three, but he might be ready for game four. I don't know how that's possible. Huh? I'm not ready for Saturday, but Monday, I think right, I'm exactly, all right. Exactly. I don't think he changes the overall flow of the series. I still think Boston's going to win. 
Uh, I do think Brooklyn's going to make a last stand here. I wouldn't be surprised if that series went back to Boston 3-1 or even 2-2. I still can see this series going six or seven games. Ben Simmons might help it get there. It might help get it to six. He might help get it to seven. But I think at the end of the day, the Boston Celtics come out of that series with, with a win. But, uh, you know, I certainly don't think it's going to be easy. I expect Brooklyn to play well in Brooklyn. And they just have too much firepower, I think, to, uh, you know, not to, to, to bow out in four or five games. So I still expect a long series there. Right, Mike, you're in uh, Philly. I think you're going to be going into the Phillies media availability here shortly. Do they have a lineup out yet? Do you know? I haven't seen one yes, yet. Yes, here it is. Uh, Two minutes ago. But Sorry. Okay. Uh, Segura, Hoskins, Harper, Castellanos, Romuto, Schwaber, Bohm. There's my question. I was going to say, do you think Bohm is back in the lineup? Does it look like he has kind of taken, has he re-grabbed his third base spot? Yeah, obviously with the way he's hit, I don't think you can afford to have him on the bench. You have a Phillies team that what I, I'm not sure of the exact total, but I think it's five games where they've scored, you know, two runs or less or one run or less. They're not hitting the ball. He's one of their hottest hitters right now. You kind of have to hold your nose defensively and put him in there and hope that if he's hitting the ball, maybe that will carry over to his defensive play on the field. Maybe that'll give him some confidence. But with the way he's hitting right now and the way other guys aren't hitting, I think you need Alec Bohm in the lineup. Uh, uh, Camargo's at short. Herrera is back, and he is in center field. So Herrera, right off the uh, 10-day list, he is back and starting in center field, and he is hitting ninth. The question I have with Camargo at short and at Bohm at third, does Stott seem to be the odd man out, and are they going to get enough at-bats for him? Yeah, right now it seems to be an issue. They said when uh, Stott made the team that they would give him enough at-bats. Of course, when they did, when they made that decision two weeks ago, I don't think they envisioned a 5-8 and eight start and the way the offense has struggled So uh, and the way Stott has kind of struggled. So I don't think with the way Camargo and, and, and Bohm have hit, you've got to play him. Uh, you know, a lot's changed in two weeks. Adubel Herrera's back. That speaks to almost the sort of the desperation they've had in center field. Uh, you know, they, they haven't had any production from that part of their lineup. They're five and eight. They're four and a half games back of the Mets. I mean, I think this is a key, key homestand with the Brewers in Colorado. And then they go to New York next week. And I think the next nine days are, are, are kind of key for the Philly season, as strange as that seems two weeks into the baseball season, they, they can't keep playing like this and, and falling behind. They're four and a half games back. You don't want to fall back much further. All right, Mike McGarry for the Press of Atlantic City. I know uh, a lot of the schools are on their Easter spring break right now, but uh, some high school baseball stories uh, that have happened at the, at the uh, break point here. Yeah, I mean, you've got St. Augustine Prep off to a very good start, 7-0. They beat uh, Holy Spirit yesterday, 11-2. Ryan Weingartner with a home run, and now St. Augustine comes back with a great, uh, with a big game today. They'll face Kingsway Regional. Most people, including us, have St. Augustine 1, Kingsway Regional 2 in, in South Jersey. So kind of an early season clash of the two best teams in, in, in South Jersey. And then you've got some other good teams. You've got EHT playing well. St. Joe's undefeated, Buna Regional's undefeated, Mainland Regional, 6-1, and 7-1. and one. Uh, Duke McCarran of Ocean City throws a no-hitter down in Florida for them. So baseball season off to a, uh, a, a fast start here. Uh, it was a great season last year, and we seem to be headed in that direction again this year. And uh, those of you who like to follow the South Jersey baseball scene, Chase Petty last night looked uh, tremendous uh, with Daytona. He had a no-hitter, four innings, uh, Basically, he has pitched really, really well. He's at the low single-A level, but I don't know how much longer that's going to last, Mike. 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's just pitched great, uh, and, and he's in that Cincinnati Reds organization now, an organization that's kind of committed to their young players and is kind of going through that rebuilding thing with the young players. So it seems to be a perfect spot for him, a perfect organization. And, and like you said, he just pitched great last night. You see some of the highlights on, on uh, Twitter, and you see that hard-biting slider. You know, certainly looks <laughs> outstanding to me. So uh, he has so far lived up to being a first-round draft pick with his performance so far this year. All right, for all of the uh, coverage this weekend from the press of Atlantic City, check out Mike's piece. Uh, uh, The must-win was a really nice story uh, about a former Ocean City baseball player. I ask all of you to go check out that piece. A really good story from Mike. Uh, Phillies this weekend, Sixers on Saturday, very busy, all the high school sports. Mike, we appreciate it, bud. All right, we'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mike. There's Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. Jack of all trades from the Press of AC. He joins us Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We'll go over it all. We just like to hash it all out here on the Bash. We've got a chance for you to qualify for Pick Your Trip coming up at 255 today on the Sports Bash. Somebody who's been at Villanova longer than Jay Wright will join me next. The voice of the Wildcats, Ryan Fannin. Why now for Jay Wright? And what's next? We'll ask him next here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3. Yes. Now. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. 243 Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. I feel like uh, this ZZ Top sharp-dressed man should have been playing when Jay Wright had his press conference today. That was the only thing. I like the coaches out of the suits. I like the three-quarter zip look, except for Jay Wright. Jay Wright looked out of place in a three-quarter zip. He could have bucked the trend and gone back to the suit. We'll never see him in that suit again. He abruptly retired. Now, it wasn't so abrupt to the people at the Villanova program. Ryan Fannin is the voice of the Villanova Wildcats. On the radio, and of course he joins me right now to uh, break it all down and take a look at what's, uh, man, were you shocked, stunned? Did you know? Uh, you got to share with us. Did you have some inclination that this was happening? Or on Thursday night before that, or I guess Wednesday night, uh, before that Sixers game like the rest of us, were you like, whoa, wait, what's going on here? Yeah, great to be with you for starters. And uh, I was down in uh, Bethany Beach with my family. I'm off uh, vacation this week with my full-time job down in the D.C. area um, where I work at my high school, Bishop Ireton High School. And I uh, was just having a nice dinner out with my family, and my phone kept beeping and beeping and beeping. And I was like, I'm at dinner with my family. I'll answer this later. And then it just kept going and going and going. And then I looked at it, and I was like, oh, wow. Um, so first I had heard of it was Wednesday night. So he had said this was on his mind. He's been thinking about it. He said, 
And I thought it was a very interesting admission by him that he didn't have his edge. He's not on top of his game anymore as the head coach. He felt that his assistants and his staff really pushed him through. Did you ever sense being around him this year that, man, he maybe he's uh, getting towards the end? No, not at all. Um, and I think that's one of those things where only the person that can be brutally honest with themselves and be a leader to the level that Jay is, that in his mind, the reason he became one of the greatest coaches in college basketball history and Philadelphia history is because he was all in all the time. He demanded it from his players and his assistant coaches, and he demanded it from himself. And when he felt like he couldn't give that and wasn't, he would not accept it and knew it was time. And it's a remarkable display of really every quality you could hope in anybody that when they feel that, that we see so many times in all walks of life, people stay on too long and they don't have their edge, but they, they, they get to a point where they're like, my, it's all right, I'm still the best. So I can deal with that. But Jay would not do that. And I think it showed today how great he is in so many ways by recognizing that and saying, I'm not going to demand it and then not give it myself. Uh, well put. Ryan Fan and the voice of the Villanova Wildcats. Um, you know, a lot of people speculated that changes to the college game factored in his decision. He said a little bit. He did admit a little bit, but that he actually feels like the NIL and all that stuff will be a positive. But is is all of that like the, the coupled with it? You know, maybe my edge isn't there. That uh, Do I still want to go down this road? Is this a game that I want to continue to be a part of? You know, the one thing I was always impressed about Jay Wright for the last 21 years being around him all the time during these seasons and travel was just his ability to adapt. And when he would answer questions about um, NIL or transfer portal, I was just like, wow, he's just on it. But today he said, you know, my assistant coaches, I mean, he just felt like they are so up in tune with that and he said you know I was tuned in with it but it just was one of those things where I always knew that Jay was always going to do whatever he needed to do to be on the top of his game and whether that was you know staying up on all that side of the changes in college basketball or anything else it, it's just one of those things where if he wasn't going to be at 100% and, and I loved one of his quotes you know where he said and you mentioned it briefly a moment ago, but I'll expand. His quote, I started to feel I didn't have the edge that I've always had. The edge that always came naturally. He was always the most enthusiastic, fired up guy on those practices and games. And you just, you just knew that his leadership was so great because all that came so naturally. And when it wasn't coming naturally for him anymore... He knew it was time. So kudos to him for knowing that when so many people don't. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is, you know, he, he mentioned how, you know, he kind of knew and he got asked a question about, you know, how is Coach K feeling with this being his last game? And he said, well, I know how he's feeling. You know, having that, knowing that this whole time, Man, I, and for you to, like you're saying, I had no idea. For him to be able to hold that in shows you how cool, calm, and collective of a customer 
that he really is. And think about this. I mean, Villanova's down 15, 17 points to St. John's in the quarterfinals of the Big East tournament. They're down one with under three seconds to go, and Brandon Slater's got to make two free throws. As the play-by-play guy and just a big Villanova fan and a graduate of the school myself, if I had known that was Jay Wright's last Big East tournament like he knew (laughs) now that it was all for if I knew it was his last run through March, I mean, all of us would have been, you know, it would have just been different, right? But he knew that. And this another example of his ability to focus on the task at hand. As much as I imagine now that we heard the full story of the fact that he knew this, yeah. to be able to accomplish what he did to win the Big East tournament, to go to a Final Four, um, it's just it just, again, shows that, uh, you know, this is uh, a coach that will go down in history for not only the record. And, you know, we could sit here and talk about stats for the next two hours, but it's what he's done for young players, for their families, what he's done for the Villanova community, the ambassador he is. And I've always thought the coolest thing about Jay Wright is he always had time for everybody. People would come up to the bus and like, I was laughing thinking about this the other day. I'm like, Jay Wright, almost after we won the two titles, became like the college basketball version of, like, the Bulls. Like, it was unbelievable. When we would go into hotels, people just like, like, they, it was like this icon, and yet he was still coaching. Like, it, it got to such a level. And more people coming at him, coming off buses, coming out of arenas, uh, you know, hotels, but yet he always would be like, stop. And he looked them in the eye and he, and he, it was incredible. And looking back, um, to just think about no NCAA tournament in 2020 playing in a bubble in 21. I remember being in new Orleans and feeling this, like, this is like the greatest, most excited I had ever felt in my life about college basketball, because after everything we had gone through with COVID, here we are with the four Blue Bloods, Carolina, Duke, Kansas, Villanova. In New Orleans, the fans were going crazy. The excitement I had never seen. I've been to a lot of Final Fours. You could literally feel it. You could almost feel people's heart racing of the excitement of being there. And then I just had this weird feeling down there. This is like a moment in time. And I never knew it was when I was calling the last game Jay would ever coach at Villanova on that Saturday, April 2nd in New Orleans. Uh, Ryan Fannin, the voice of the Wildcats, he called that game. By the way, you mentioned uh, we could talk stats. Jay Wright, uh, 642, 282, 69% of his games, 34 and 16 in the NCAA tournament, two championships, four Final Fours. Ryan Fannin, you got to Nova. Uh, you graduated in 93. You got to Nova as the voice of the basketball team, I believe, in 99. Correct me if I'm wrong there. But you saw it all, the whole career. So when he came in and replaced Steve Lapis, did you think you were about to, that the program was about to become special? I, I really did. And the two things that stood out was I was doing student radio when he was at Villanova as an assistant under Massimino in the late 80s, early 90s, before Raleigh left for Vegas 
which ironically is tw- 30 years ago this month. Holy mackerel. Um, and I remember just this energy and this excitement, and he was, like, around campus, and it was just like he had this magnetic personality. And then he went to Hofstra and paid his dues, and then his last two years at Hofstra, when they went to back-to-back NCAA tournaments, and when Villanova got him, I just thought, you know what? He's a Philly guy. He's been here. He's coached under Coach Math. He went and did it on his own. He's got the head coaching experience now at Hofstra for seven years. He's ready to be a really, really good coach. And then he became a legendary coach 21 years later. Yeah, it's a wild story to to think that. You know, and I always admired the fact that, you know, most people were waiting for him to make that next move. Uh, Any indication that he ever wanted to leave did you ever say i wonder if this is it for him did you yourself someone who's you know rooting on the buses sat in the foxhole have you ever said is there something else he wants to prove i felt like he so loved being around his hometown and he embraced all the philly pro teams and he went to games and he loved it you know a lot of people maybe they're like i want to go to kentucky because i'm the only guy jay Jay's a different guy. His ego is not nearly at the level you see so many coaches. They've got to be the spotlight. Jay's not that way. He naturally comes off like, obviously, because of his communication skills and everything about him. But I never, he just looked. He literally believed he had the best job in the country because he could be around his hometown, be around all the Philly pro teams, and he could run his program at Villanova the way he wanted to run it at a school that has great academics and good kids, and he could do it his way. And I just sensed he was just like, this is the best job I could ever have. That's awesome. And the overture kept coming for pro and college. And I got to a point where I was like, hey, no way. Uh Uh-uh. This is, he's just, he was just such a happy guy. Yeah. Um, so do you think he'll never coach again? Is he a Villanova lifer? There's a lot of murmurs, pro, pro, pro. But uh, what do you think? I mean, look, I we've all learned in life, right? You never know, <laughs> right? I, I have no idea what Jay Wright in a year or two will be feeling or thinking. Um, but the fact of how he articulated it today it sounds like he's ready to move on from coaching. All right. I kind of agree with you. I mean, sitting on the beach in Sea Isle, Avalon, Strathmere, wherever he picked, Stone Harbor, that's a nicer life than coaching LeBron James. I can tell you that much. Who wants to do that? Man. And here's here's the neat thing. Jay's done it now. When he got to coach, when Popovich selected him and he was an assistant on the Olympics, he got that chance to coach the greatest basketball players in the world. Great point. So that's not something that he'll have to say, oh, I never really tried. He got that. Yeah. And, and he, he went into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame on September 11, 2021. Phew. Like, he's done it all. And now he can really just do whatever he wants. And if down the road he decides he wants to coach again or become a broadcaster or do anything – He'll be amazing at it because when he 
does something, he does it 100%. And that's why when you look at the way he's turning this program over now to one of his former assistants, Kyle Neptune, who I thought did an unbelievable job at that press conference today. He was so articulate. He was so on. He is 37 years old. He is ready. He knows the culture. This coaching staff, I'm telling you what, this coaching staff is so good. George Halkovich, Mike Nardi. Dwayne Anderson, Kyle Neptune. I mean, these. I watched those guys when they were around Jay. They've all now gotten to a point of maturity in their careers. This is going to be an unbelievable staff. And Kyle, being a young head coach, just the one year at Fordham and now coming into Villanova, he's got incredible guys around him. And I was just driving back from Philadelphia. I just got back to Virginia. And I was driving thinking about a million things in the last couple days. And I was just like, this coaching staff is going to be one to be reckoned with. And to feel that without Jay Wright anymore on the staff was probably the best feeling I had in the last 24 hours. And that's what Jay wanted. He wanted to leave it when he left, whatever that was, where it was in a power position. And that's exactly what he left. And he still stays on as special assistant to the president. And he'll be a wildcat for life. So, from a Villanova perspective, after that feeling of that sadness that we all had, like, oh, my gosh, Jay Wright's going to leave, to now, literally, just a couple days later, I'm like, of course, I'd love Jay to be the coach for 10 more years, of course. We all would. But the reality is this is working out absolutely the best it could, considering that now Jay Wright is not our head coach anymore. Uh, Ryan Fan and the voice of the Villanova Wildcats. Well put. Great conversation, Ryan. We appreciate a little bit of uh, background and uh, your thoughts on all this. A crazy couple of days. I'm sure your phone's been going crazy, but I appreciate you spending some time with us. Hey, enjoy your work, too. Have a great one, Mike. All right. That's Ryan Fan and the voice of the Villanova Wildcats. Jay Wright retires. Kyle Neptune, the new head coach. And right now, you just listened to him talk about Jay Wright. He's going to get to sit on the beach somewhere. You're going to get to go to an Eagles game on the road. Pick your trip. Caller 7-609-573-3776. 609-573-3776. Caller number 7. You are registered for a chance to win a trip for two to the 2022 Eagles game of your choice. It includes airfare, hotel, a pregame tailgate party, two tickets to the Eagles road game of your choice. You must be present to win on Thursday at Slack Tide Brewing Company for our Eagles draft party where one lucky listener will win an Eagles road trip, all courtesy of Philly Sports Trips and the food provided by Ernest & Sons, old-fashioned butcher shop in Brigantine. Caller number seven. Good luck. Ryan Rothstein from the Philadelphia City Cast joins me next. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Hey, congratulations to Matt and Kate May Courthouse. Matt, you're a qualifier for Pick Your Trip if we select your name on Thursday. You're going to see an Eagles road game. The schedule's coming out on May the 12th. You'll be able to find out where and when those games are. The NFL has also announced it will have a Christmas Day triple header. And the NFL is 
taking over Christmas now. They are the Grinch. The NBA owned Christmas. Well, the NBA owns right now, although the NFL will push them out of the way on Thursday, too. I don't know why the NBA scheduled any games against the draft, but happens, yes. Bad move, in my opinion. Uh, Saturday in the Park is the song you hear in the background. Saturday at 2, the Sixers trying to sweep the Raptors. How will it happen? Will it happen? Ryan Rothstein from the Philadelphia City Cast is here. We'll break it down from all the different angles, betting, how the game will go, how the series looks so far. A lot of what we talked about on Wednesday happened, except for um, I had the Raptors winning the game ugly. The Sixers won the game ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my score prediction was 76ers 101-100. And I remember yours, uh, 105-98. So right. we were both, you know, basically right on the money as far as style of play, style of the fight. Yeah. I, I said I had a feeling, just had a feeling that the Raptors would win. They realistically should have won the game. They just, uh, that's a game the Sixers lose all the time, every time. Not just with this team this year, right? I mean, this is just my my Philly blood maybe seeping out. But, yeah, I, I can't remember the last time a Philadelphia 76ers team, period, won a game like that where they had no business winning and they just go in on the road and steal it. You have 20,000 walking out of that arena, I imagine, shaking their heads yeah. saying, what the heck just happened? Dude, the closest was when uh, Bellinelli hit that three you know, and they shot the confetti off, and then it was actually only yeah. a two, and they had to play the overtime, and they ended up losing. Like, it's the only yeah. time that someone has hit that shot. Uh, Embiid has been 0 for 14 in that moment. Um, so, I don't know. I've been kind of asking the question the last couple days, you know, after that Wednesday night, so yesterday, and then today, you know, was that the moment? Was that the aha? Was that the growing up moment? Is that, you know... You know, everybody has their story. The The Pistons had to beat the Celtics. The Bulls had to beat the Pistons. The Sixers have, haven't had that rival team, but it's just like they've had to have that growing up moment. Was that it? Finally. I, I don't know if that springboards them to a deep run, but it was something they definitively had to have. It feels like it could be, right? I mean, what does that mean? I guess a whole lot of nothing is what I'm saying right there, but... We everything feels like, everything feels like something in the moment until it doesn't happen. Yeah, no, that's that's straight facts. I, I mean, you, that that has to be a moment though where it can change the course of a potential playoff run because great teams win that game, right, Mike? Like great teams figure out a way to win a game that you have no business winning. Uh, because you're just elite, you're tough, you've been there, you're met, whatever, a million different reasons. Uh, so they have to be feeling themselves right now in, in a good way. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You look at the confidence, I think, for Joel and B to finally hit that, you know, to finally yeah. get that opportunity to make that shot. I'm wondering what that does for him moving forward. It's a good question, but I, I would also respond with a question sort of asking how much more can the man do, right? I, maybe just well, as far you know as the game. You remember you asked me about, like, what could be different in the game, and I brought up if they're not hitting shots and Embiid has to kind of take over, not force yep. stuff, but just, like, I have to, like, do more. They hit 40% of their threes. 
That was the weird thing. And I look back and I said, man, Embiid had this monster second half. He just carried them. He hit shot after shot. Weird, you know, spinning. And even Toronto, we talked to I said, you know, if they're hitting shots like one foot falling away, like they had those shots. I say, this game is going exactly the way we kind of – all except for the Sixers made the big shot. So I just wonder, like, if Embiid now comes out with even more of a purpose. That's all. Uh- yeah, no, I hear you. I, I think it's it's fair. It's a good thing to point out, fair to point out. I, I will say this. I mean, this is not going to be very popular of an opinion, but he still annoys me down the stretch in games. Like, you you look at that fourth quarter sequence late in the fourth quarter where he missed the three. He's still very – like, when there's enough time on the clock, less than a minute left, he's still very indecisive about what he wants to do with the basketball in pressure-filled moments, that moment was just, you have two seconds, dude, catch and fire it. Yeah. Uh, so there was no no option to think. Uh, but I hope he grows a little bit in those other situations, like how it ended in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, the well, Doc should get credit for the timeout. I, I made yes. a comment yesterday that it's for the people that hate Howie Roseman, they're like, well, he shouldn't get a chance to clean up his own mess. The, 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 the play that Doc had to go into that possession was whatever they were running was terrible. And then yeah. he was like, all right, let me fix this. So that was a doc moment right there. I don't know how many there have been, but that was something that he said, boom, I'm stepping in here. And then he draws up that play for Embiid to catch and shoot, as you kind of said there. But the whole moment there was something that was like, we haven't seen this from a Sixers team. The coach stepping in, calling timeout, drawing up the right play. The guy – Everybody executing it. It was like, what? what's going on here? You know, I, I have a question for you in a second. But before I ask you that question, to your point about the, the coach in basketball and the NBA, if Joel Embiid misses that shot, you know what we're saying. And depending on if they end up winning or losing in the second overtime, if he misses that shot, we're saying, what play, why did you draw up a three for Joel Embiid, but because he makes it, everyone's breaking it down like, well, he's curling off the screen. The Raptors are expecting him to go to the hoop, so they sag under it, gives him space, and he knocks it down, right? Like, And it's just a matter of, well, the player made the shot. Um, and, and I will ask you this. Who has been the biggest X factor or what's been the biggest takeaway for you? Like Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey, Doc Rivers, Joel Embiid, James Harden. There's a lot of options to that question. There is. And I would kind of go, I I almost want to say, you almost got to say Harris. And my reasoning for Harris is because like, I'm not surprised about Maxey. That kid's just a great player. Yes, he's exceeding what you had thought, but you're not surprised by it so much. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, we know it's there. Like we're not like we know he's capable. Yeah, but he's young, right? Just because he's young, right? But you're like making excuses. Yeah, you're like I could see Maxi just having nights where he just goes off and explodes. Like I've seen that. Harris, it's the way he's doing it. It's I loved his comment to Kate Smith the other night or Kate Scott, excuse me. Yeah, Um, Kate Smith. Jeez, Um, (laughs) Kate Smith. The the comment that he made to her after the game, which was, my shot wasn't falling, so I said, no one's scoring on me. 
Like, for him to take that attitude, he's not a guy that we look at as some shutdown defender, but his defense has been a big factor in this series on guys like Van Vliet, who he just, you know, has such length on. You know, that has been a big – and he was switching to Siakam at times. Him being able to switch, and he's almost turned into their Simmons this year. He's been been outstanding, and he's carrying himself – with a type of swagger and confidence that we haven't seen from him ever in Philadelphia. Well, it's almost like, too, that I'm not saying he's ever had an ego, but, like, he just dropped it at the door come playoff Mm -hmm. time. It was like, okay, let's do this. Like, I don't care who I have to be. I'm going to be it. If I score eight, if I score 20, I'm just going to have to morph into this guy for us to win. And then Harden, to some extent, too, Harden, it's almost as if Harden has said, and I mentioned this with Jimmy Lynham yesterday, and he, he was like, oh, I like the word, that he's morphed into another player because mm-hmm. he trusts Maxi. It's almost as if in the past in Houston, well, I don't have anybody I trust, so I have to do everything. But I trust this kid. I'm passing over to you. You take the reins of the scoring. I'll be the passing guy. Harden is like the 40-year-old when you're like 25 playing pickup with a bunch of your boys. He's like the random 40-year-old that's just hustling and and playing defense and, you know, calling out screens and wearing the high white tube socks. And you're like, damn, this old dude is was an X factor for us here at the Y today. Yeah. <laughs> and But the question dude, is, to give- do they need him to be more than this guy? Or is this the version that they can win with? I, I think... Listen, Harden has been such a has had such a big impact on Tyrese Maxey, right? Like we have to give Harden a lot of credit for Maxey's success. So if Maxey can continue to be the player that he has been in this series, ideally in the next round and hopefully the round after that, Harden's going to be a big factor in Maxey's success. Like Harden's been efficient, just quietly efficient. So I think that's all he needs to be for this team to have success. It'll be interesting. Like, do they need, obviously, this series 3-0, and 3-0 when teams are up 3-0. So it's almost like you don't want to look ahead, but you kind of are allowed to, statistically speaking anyway. Can they win a series against a team like Miami? Can they beat the Bucks or the well, – I don't even know if the Bucks are going to win that series now. Uh, can they beat Boston or Brooklyn if James Harden isn't that next-level score? Because I think most people – when you brought him here, it was they finally got that finisher, that guy that can get a bucket. And so far, he I don't want to say he hasn't been that guy, but he's not really that guy right now. He's not, but what he is, Mike, is the guy you trust with the ball in his hands. Right? The Sixers have at least. Doc Rivers has at least. Like, he is the guy with the ball in his hands at the top of the key in all of their half-court sets, essentially. They haven't had that, where the defense is respecting his ability to as a scorer, right? That's all this team has needed, mm-hmm. and they finally have it. Right, like as opposed to Simmons being up there and teams fouling him or he's not aggressive on that night so he doesn't take it to the basket, he's certainly not going to shoot it. Um, where Simmons excelled was in the open court, and obviously yeah. – they needed more of a half-court guy in these playoff situations. McGarry and I were talking about this, you know, in the first hour, which is Simmons, 
seemingly had good playoff series in round one. It was in that second round that teams, the better teams, started to figure out whatever you did in round one is not happening here, and he couldn't make that adjustment. Yeah, and that's when you had to then hide him and take him off the ball and put him on the baseline or put him in the corner where he was a nightmare there too because he couldn't even stand on the three-point line in the corner. So this is just a team with a completely different feel to it right now where you feel like they're going to weather any storm and they're going to get through any adversity uh, and and be able to find a way to win, which is saying a lot. Yeah, I mean, look, they're more talented than the Raptors are. Um, But again, that doesn't – the Raptors – if you told me at the beginning, as we talked, that they were going to – Trent showed you what he brings to them offensively. It's just that Van Vliet did not have a very good night. And I think that when you look at what happened so far in this series, is they have two all-star players. The Sixers have two superstar players. And mm-hmm. their all-stars just don't have enough in the gas tank to play. I think Van Vliet played every minute of the first half the other night. And he played well, and he just didn't have the same getty up. In the like, he just you're relying on two lower level all stars to try to beat two superstars, and they just don't have it. And losing Barnes that makes it even more difficult. And then when you lost Trent for two games, essentially, they just didn't have enough answers to anything. So I, I just think you're looking at a team that is just too short talent wise, but. The Sixers have taken advantage and capitalized and just played ugly, won, beat them up. They have not let the Raptors even crack the window open. No, they have just been – they haven't been messing around. <laughs> They're not playing any games. Well, they messed around games. the other night and somehow figured out a way to get back into it, and I think that has to be commended. Yeah, well, I wouldn't even call it messing around. I mean, sure, yeah, but it was basically they took a knockout punch – and they didn't let it get to 10. They just hopped right back up off the mat. They pulled a Balboa uh, on, on the Raptors. And look, look at this path now, Mike, because the Raptors, they don't really have the three-point shooting. Like, their two best players aren't necessarily shooters from the perimeter. Miami, they have role players that can shoot the lights out, but their two best players don't shoot threes well. That's not their strength. Mm-hmm. And that's what the 76ers need matchup-wise. If they face a team like Boston or Brooklyn that has multiple guys that can shoot the hell out of the ball from three, that's where they can run into an issue. I know. I'm thinking about watching Golden State last night and thinking, how are the Sixers, how would they match up with this team? They wouldn't. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I don't see how that would be a fun matchup. All right, Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN. Hey, when we come back, there's a lot in these NBA playoffs that have now changed. It's Kevin Durant to blame for the Nets being down 0-2. Can the Pelicans win their series? What changes do these teams need to make as the playoffs continue tonight? Tomorrow, you'll hear on 97.3 ESPN, Sixers-Raptors at 2, Celtics-Nets after the Phillies and Brewers. Right here on 97.3 ES. Now, back. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. 
Granger for the ones who get it done. Now, spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. More Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. Three forty-seven sports bash. Got some text messages coming in. Mike, the Sixers should go hard for Donovan Mitchell if he wants out. I assume he would love to team up with Harden at point. Joel, he's from the East Coast. You moved to Bias and Thibel to get Spider Mitchell. Uh, I don't know if uh, Mitchell. Uh, I think he'll be traded, definitely. I don't think you're going to see him back with Utah. I think uh, Danny Ainge is going to bust that team up. I think they're going to be out quickly here, and uh, you'll see the Jazz get busted up. Um, him and Harden together? I don't love it. I-, I don't see that making a ton of sense for for the 76ers. And I've heard rumors that Mitchell wants to go to New York. I don't know if that would be, ha- you know, be able to be pulled off, but. Yeah, I uh, got another one. Ryan, weak take to say that eight teams could win a championship. That's unconfident, clueless statement. Put your name on something. I like the Warriors <laughs> and the Bucks in the final. That wasn't the point, you That's jackass. not my – what is he – yeah, that's not my prediction. I'm just saying you this said year you in the postseason. You eight teams. Like, it's that wide open. That wasn't a prediction. Right. Yeah, I'm not just saying, I don't know, eight can win it. I'm saying this year, and you typically can never say this in the NBA – it's wide open. I can see multiple come out of the West, multiple come out of the East. My prediction before the playoffs uh, was Milwaukee to come out of the East and Phoenix, now that Booker's out, it might not happen, and Phoenix to come out of the West. And I liked Phoenix getting some revenge and winning it all. That was my prediction before the playoffs started. Yeah, no, I, I don't. You weren't saying that I don't have a pick for the finals. It's that, man, it's so wide open that I could legitimately say that this many teams could reach the finals. I agree. At the beginning of the playoffs, though, I don't think I would have said, I see this many now that they've kind of started to take shape. And of course, injuries have now occurred. So that changes what you thought a week ago. I didn't think the Bulls have a shot, and I still don't. But I think the Bulls could maybe knock off the Bucks now because of that, and then I think the Bulls would get knocked out. Yeah, I I think the Bulls are going to make it a series, but even with Middleton possibly out, uh, when I say possibly for the rest of the series here, it looks like I, I still think Giannis is going to just turn it on to another level and, and do enough to get Milwaukee to advance. But if they don't have Middleton, they're not going to get much further. All right. Um, so last night, Draymond Green said playoff. There's there's regular season guys and there's playoff guys. I think he was taking a little shot at Jokic, although Jokic had 37 points and 18 rebounds in the game. <laughs> Are you not a playoff guy when you have 38 and 17? Right. I mean, I guess his point is like he does. Somebody made the point that like he, he has stats, but he doesn't make an impact. I Listen, he makes an impact, but I get I get that uh, like that sentiment. Um, I felt that way about Tobias Harris over his career. Like he's a stat sheet filler, but he doesn't make that big impact. Now he has been over the past three games with um, less with less stats. 
Right. Yeah. At times with, with less stats. I, I mean, this is a horrible take here as far as like MVP talk, but you look at Jokic right now. I, I just, I don't see the MVP of the league, Mike. Do you? I know he's deserving. Okay. I get it. Well, again, his team is very shorthanded. They're just not no, good it enough. Is. They're not good enough. No, and, and I understand that, but just even taking that aside, like putting that to the side, I understand Golden State's, you know, just way better, right? Not Nothing Jokic can do. I, I just don't feel like I'm watching the MVP right now. It's Joel Embiid. Yeah, I mean, well, we'll see what happens here. I think this will be a good indication. I said yesterday, Josh and I had the, and, and you know, the point Josh made was a good one. Embiid should have won it last year. They were the number one seed. He had just as good a season they gave it to him because he played all the games and Embiid missed time. And Embiid missed time with COVID. It wasn't like he got hurt. He should have won last year because the Sixers were the number one seed. We're about to find out how much Booker means. Because I think Booker, I said I would have given it to Booker first, Giannis second. I, I can make an argument that Tatum deserves it ahead of Embiid and Jokic. Now, I remember like a month ago uh, when I came on for our segment here, we both said Booker. Like, what happened to the process of the MVP voting? Like, now it doesn't even seem like being a top team in either conference matters. Yeah, I mean, and I don't. who has votes? Who doesn't have votes? How much of the votes are? I don't even know what the process is anymore. Mike Greenberg has a vote. Kendrick yeah, Perkins and, and has a Gar- vote. Who? Kendrick Perkins has a vote. <laughs> I, I, I don't hate that, though. At least he's a former player. I think you got to get current players and current head coaches. Yeah, give them votes. The problem, like, sometimes you say current players. Well, who are they friends with? Who did they not beef with? How many games are they watching? Are they keeping track of everything? Well, I, I hear no you, one but you person, can say that about the writers. I know. I'm saying there's no one person who really sees everybody play all the time on a biggest sample size. Like, even, like, the national writers who rove from game to game. You might see Embiid play in person 10 times. But if I'm a Sixers writer, I see Embiid play 82 times, but I only see his opponents play two, three, or four times. That's why I think you give writers a percentage of the pie, you give coaches a percentage, players a percentage, and maybe Hall of Famers a percentage. I don't know how much the Hall of Famers are paying attention, though. I don't know. Like yeah, Dr. Fair. J made the comment, you know, well, uh, Jokic should have won it. Okay, like we always, one of the things, like when I get offered to have certain guests on or like a Hall of Famer, I always want, like, you, you, you shudder to ask him questions sometimes about the current thing because you have no idea how much they're paying attention. And you find out that many of them aren't paying that much attention. Oh, I'm not even really – like, how many of these players played their game? Like, that's why people are like, you need a football guy or you need a baseball guy. <laughs> Most of these guys play the sport, and they don't know anything about it. Like, they are just so supremely athletic, but they don't know anything about the rules, how to put a team together, nothing. They're just tremendous athletes. Like, I know a lot of guys who played, and they don't care about the sport they're playing at all. It's just they happen to be good at it. All NFL fans – want their general manager to look and sound like Dan Campbell, the head coach of the Lions. Mm-hmm. You know, just a meathead. Right. Because, he, <laughs> you know, he, he played the game. He knows what he's talking about. No, most of those guys, I say, don't know what they're talking about. 
No, you have yeah, a few. And some do. That are very good at, yes. You have some that really love the game and think the game and articulate the game and, and, and are, are good at it. But not, not everybody. Like, there is a balance between, you know, guys that know what they're talking about and don't. That's why the whole voting thing, I think, is very hard and totally subjective. There is no what's the best, who's the best. Do you think the playoffs should be a factor? Not necessarily. Like, because they have a playoff MVP. Yeah. It's interesting how, like, I don't feel like we get these types of debates in the NFL. Like, every year in the NBA, in the first round, regardless of the MVP. Because it's just a quarterback. Yeah. In the but NBA, like, it could be anybody. In the NFL, it's only a quarterback. That's all. the only person that has a shot to win. That's fair. But in baseball, last year, you had Otani win it on a, like, second-to-last-place team. Yeah, but he was just... Yeah, I know it's a good point. His team wasn't producing, but he was just, you know, that was a season we've never seen outside of Babe Ruth. Yeah, it's just that. So he wasn't the most valuable player to his team. He just was the best player in that league. Well, he's valuable, but the team wasn't producing value <laughs> as far as wins. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're out of time. What, are the, what happens tomorrow? Are we going to sweep or are we going to be back on Monday recapping game four, previewing game five? I don't see Toronto getting a win now. I think that loss in game three was so demoralizing uh, that the 76ers are going to close it out. All right. Uh, Bucks, Celtics? No. Boston, Nets. <sighs> I think I, I, I can't see Brooklyn going down 0 3. Yeah, I, I can. I think they find a way to get it done uh, and, and cut it to 2 1. All right. Uh, that's uh, this weekend, Saturday, both those games on 97.3 ESPN. Check out the Philadelphia City cast. Uh, download that wherever you listen to your podcast. Ryan Rothstein is the host. He's at Wise Rye on social media, Twitter. All right, man. Have a good weekend. All right, brother. Enjoy. All right. Uh, right now, we're looking for caller number seven. 609-573-3776-609-573-3776. Caller number seven. You'll be entered in for a chance to win a trip for two to the 2022 Eagles road game of your choice. It includes airfare, hotel, a pregame tailgate party, and two tickets to the Eagles road game of your choice. You must be present to win on Thursday at Slack Tide Brewing Company in Cape May Courthouse, where one lucky winner will win an Eagles road trip, all courtesy of Philly Sports Trips. Do Philly Sports Trips with the pros. Plan your Philly trip at phillysportstrips.com and food provided by Ernest and Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop in Brigantine. Caller number 7-609-573-3776. Good luck. Football at 4 is up next. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Adam Kaplan. I have real confidence that our football operations uh, can once again create a dominant football team. Powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, it's Football at Four. Here we go. Football at Four is powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. And it's brought to you by PropSwap, America's sports betting marketplace. Sell your sports bets and take your profit. Find out how. Go to PropSwap.com. Download the PropSwap app today. Adam Kaplan here on this happy hour Friday. We are inside one week 
to the NFL draft. Thank the Lord, right? We're going to yeah. finally find out how this all goes down. Adam Kappa will be in Vegas for the draft. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm, I'm working for my friends at Sports Grid. I'll be there. Uh, I leave Wednesday morning. And, uh, you know, I'll be there Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I'll be with Mosher after the draft. We'll have post-draft coverage. After the picks are made, we'll have information, as we always do, that no one has. We'll we'll get it right from the heart of why they made such decisions. We, I remember when they took uh, Hertz, we were, like, in a state of shock. We, we couldn't wrap around our hands around it, but we found out a couple hours after why they did it. Uh, the truth, the truth of why they did it. Still to this day, I'll never understand. I understand it, but I, I can't accept it, that you drafted back up in the second round. But it is what it is. The Eagles, every once in a while, that they do something that defies logic. But look, there, there's a reason why uh, over the last 20 years they're they're better. They're usually good and not and, and not a bad team. It's because they overall have a pretty good plan. They don't always follow it. But in the end, they're usually pretty good. Well, Adam, uh, they made a mistake a couple of years ago. They drafted J.J. Ortega-Whiteside in round number two, and it appears that experiment of him being a wide receiver is over. Uh, it has been per, uh, reported by Jeff McClain of the Philadelphia Inquirer that they will move J.J. Ortega-Whiteside to tight end. And I guess the question will be, I mean, do they look at him as a guy who can make the team as a tight end, or is this just something they're trying to do just to try to you know, see if they can get something out of him? Well, here's why they did it is because he can block. I know sometimes people made fun of of um, Sirianni when he talked about how good of a blocker he was, and the other coaches would talk about it. But he's actually really good at it. Now, what they're really looking for is they're looking for competition for number two tight end Jack Stoll, Tyree Jackson for his ACL. You know, we just don't know about him. Noah Togiai's back. You know, they signed him um, after the Colts uh, cut him, uh, and then they. They brought Richard Rodgers back, but you know he's an older player. He's had some injuries. They know him. He's been on and off the roster for many years. They're they're looking to solidify it. They they have they have numbers on the on, you know they have tight ends on the roster, but uh, depth is not about how many players you have. It's how many players you believe you can use. That there's a difference, and the Eagles are not sold on what their depth looks like. So it's just look. He's a long shot to make the team. And we this we don't need to spend much time on this. This is a very minor story. But it's interesting, nevertheless, because they're giving up on him as a receiver. And at a position, by the way, they're going to address. They try to address it significantly. And I mean significantly in free agency. It just didn't work out. So that's what's up coming up, folks, in the first and second round. Well, I, I, I guess, Adam, the one significance would be is that he's out of the wide receiver mix in terms of, hey, we got to keep this guy on the roster because he was a second-round pick. That that thing is – he's past that in terms of yeah. his oh, life. Yeah. He was, listen, had he stayed at receiver, he was a long shot to make it. Smith, where the Rager is on the roster, Rager will not be cut. We reported this a couple weeks ago. There's zero chance he gets cut. The only thing they know at receiver is Devontae Smith is starting. We'll see about what Watkins' role is. They don't know yet because they don't have another draft yet. And Jack Pascal will be on the team. So that's it. After that, it's completely wide open. Uh, Devon Allen will compete for, to be a, a returner, probably kickoff. Greg Ward's there. We'll see if he makes the team. Very little guaranteed money. John Hightower's there, but he's a long shot to make the team. So wide receiver's wide open, but they're telling you that they don't think even Ortega Weiss could help the receiver, despite the lack of depth. He's going to try to tight end and we'll see. 
Yeah, we'll see if uh, he sticks around. He's a little small for tight end, 6'2", 225. Yeah. A lot of people have asked in the past, why not move him to tight end? Well, we'll uh, see. He is a little small to be tight end. We'll see if he bulks up. He does have a little time to do that. All right, let's yep. uh, take a look at a fun story. Uh, Cameron Malveaux is a guy that not a lot of people may have known, but uh, he's a very interesting guy who abruptly announced he's retiring. Yeah, boy, you know, it's disappointing in that, look, I get it. He can do what he wants with his life. He just doesn't want to play anymore. And it, he was a, also a long shot to make the team. At best, he would have been their fifth end. But the Eagles like versatility. They like having depth. He was a good story. He's a really good kid. He, he's been through everything at 27 years old. He's been with seven teams in five seasons. And he really flashed. He got he got pressed. Remember, and, uh, they signed him off the practice squad in 15, week 15, and they wanted him back on their offseason roster, so they brought him back, and um, they were hopeful that he would compete for for a job as a deep backup. Again, a very minor story, but he did. He's got length, and he had get off, and you know, you can't teach length, as coaches will tell you. This is uh, this is a nice find for them. It's a shame, but um, again, this is an offseason roster sh- situation where, at best, he would have been their fifth end. That's if they don't draft anyone. We, we clearly think they will. Yeah. Um, and by the way, we don't know if Brandon Graham will be close to normal. He might have had a chance to make the team. A little bit better maybe than we first thought, but that's done. He has said he's retired. Okay, uh, let's go to some NFL stuff that's happening. Steve Kine was asked Thursday about Kyler Murray's uh, future. Zero chance that he uh, will be traded. So can we put that to rest? Do we believe Steve Kime? Yeah, I'll tell you why. This is an interesting little, little story here. So... If you go back to the draft when Murray was selected number one, the re- there was only one reason he was selected number one. Cliff Kingsbury was the head coach. He recruited him in college. This is his this is his future quarterback if he ever became a head coach. Kingsbury, who, by the way, was drafted by the Patriots. Um, he was a guy, by the way, the Jets wanted him. It was either the Cardinals or the Jets. One Cliff's a very smart guy. He wanted someone like Kyler Murray because he he believed today's NFL quarterbacks got to be able to move. And Kyler Murray, for all the criticism he gets, is pretty gifted. I know he's a small guy, around five foot ten, but he he could sling it. And the, the Cardinals wanted him to be their quarterback. Remember, they drafted Steve Kime, who you mentioned. He drafted Josh Rosen to be that guy, and he would have been that guy had 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 uh, Kingsbury not been the head coach, and everything kind of changed. And the reason why they're, they they're covering first of all, they spent the first pick overall. You don't give up on a quarterback. You know, it's one thing, we're not going to talk much about Baker Mayfield here, but the, the Browns really made the decision to get rid of Baker Mayfield months ago. It, wasn't, it was well before the Deshaun Watson situation came up. They, they made a decision that he would not be their guy. But Steve Kime, unlike Andrew Burry, Andrew Burry did not draft Baker Mayfield. Steve Kime did draft Kyler Murray. It's he's responsible for him. And they'll just pick up the fifth-year option, and they'll figure out when they can get his contract done. But here's the other thing is it's odd. Kingsbury... And Kyler Murray have the same agent, which is doesn't always happen. Not that it shouldn't have anything. In fact, it didn't have anything to do with uh, taking Murray. It's all about scheme and fit, but it's just interesting nevertheless. All right, Adam Kaplan, uh, Football at Four from InsideTheBirds.com and the Inside the Birds podcast. Uh, we mentioned at the top of this conversation that we are inside a week to the NFL draft. Yeah. So what does that mean for all the pre-draft visits, the draft boards? Where are these teams? I know we're all, like, ready for this. Are the teams, yeah. do they want more time, or are they ready to make their picks? So I talked to a GM um, 
one guy in particular, he I talked to him on his drive home Wednesday night, and I said, hey, what's going on? He goes, oh, we just got our visits done because, you know, they had the players had to be out by the end of the day today. He said, we had our final we had our, we had we're having our medical meetings now. We've, we we uh, we may work out a couple players because they're allowed to work out players up to 24 hours before the draft, but you can't work out players at your facility. You have to work they have to work out where they went to college or near where they grew up. Now you could still meet with players, but they you can't meet that they cannot visit your complex. The 30 visits are done. That's it. Um, the reason why they do this is they don't want any team to get an advantage over the other. Um, cause by the way, not only do players visit a uh, pre-draft, you could give them medical, you could get medical updated medical. That's why the Eagles had George uh, Pickens in. It's one of the reasons why they had him in, uh, Jameson Williams as well. And also, uh, by the way, the other thing is the, the Eagles, I believe either had nine or 10 players of the 21 who will be there for the draft next week in for pre-draft visits. So we'll uh, we'll probably go over them when we we drop our next show. It'll be Monday morning our mock draft show with myself, Jeff, and uh, Andrew Ducheco. We'll have some information, Mike. That's pretty intriguing and interesting. Um, yeah, we we we're, we're, we got a couple things we're holding for Monday show, but uh, there there might be some surprises here. Not I'm not talking Eagles specifically, but uh, there might be the quarterback situation around the National Football League for this draft is fascinating because it's. Every team sees them differently. It, it's not a good draft for it, but there's some guys who, who some teams are a little bit higher than others. I'll put it that way. All right. We can't have all nine. We know that. So we'll be interested to see what happens yep, yep, uh, yep. for Howie Roseman. Will he make a move? We'll dive deeper into that. Uh, the NFL schedule is going to be released, but uh, they're going to do this interesting. Uh, they're going to actually own Christmas Day now. It looks like the NFL going to have three games on Christmas. Uh, move over, NBA. They're yeah. also going to do three rounds of releasing their schedule or more uh, for the NFL. So they're making this schedule thing a huge part of their offseason. Yeah, so, look, everybody knows who the Eagles are playing. Well, you know, this is – we usually talk Eagles a lot on the second, so we know, we know who they're playing. And I, I know Mocha doesn't agree with this. Well, I know what he meant when I said it on our last show. But if you just look at – you take strength of schedule, you can't base it all on the last season. In fact, it's less to do about last season. You start there, but then you, you adjust the way you look at those teams by coaching changes, scheme changes, personnel changes, front office, everything. You take everything into account. If you just looked at – what the teams look like now that the Eagles are playing, obviously it's pre-draft, so we have to see what they do pre-draft. But the schedule looks pretty favorable to me. Because, uh, as we know, the second half of their schedule last year was kind of, you hate to say cake, but it was very favorable. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the schedule will be announced fully at 8 p.m. Eastern on May the 12th, which is a Thursday night. The NFL loves doing it in prime time. So I, I know they don't like the leaks. I used to leak that stuff. I used to call them uh, schedule leaks. Twitter. I actually created my own hashtag one year. I just felt like leaking the stuff one year, um, having fun with it when I was at ESPN. But I know they don't like it. And it, it, one, I, it, I, I always had an interest to see who the Eagles would, would play week one. And it just, did they play Washington three years in a row or so, two or three years in a row? They either open up or it's a mixture of it. But I know they open up against Washington back to back years. I wouldn't be surprised if Washington, uh, you saw Carson Wentz in Philly yeah, for opening right weekend, that. right? Oh. What do you think oh. of Adam? What do you think of them with the three Christmas Day games? Like yeah. that's you know they said uh, the announcement. That basically, I, somebody in the league office said they're going to play one game on CBS, the one game on Fox, and then the Sunday night game on NBC. What, what day is Christmas this year? Sunday. Oh oh oh! Wait wait 
Well, you said, did you say Sunday or Monday? I believe Christmas falls on a Sunday, and they're moving the oh. schedule to Saturday, but they're oh. going to keep three games in prime time on, or not prime time, but they're going to play three yeah. games on Christmas Day. Yeah, um, let me just confirm that that is a Sunday. Yes, uh, the 25th yeah, is a just, Sunday. Yeah, it obviously, as you said, the NBA clearly, because they've owned that with the, the Sunday games. Yeah. Um, it's kind, it's kind of cool. You know, I, I've always liked watching games on Saturdays, and for the, for 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 years, the NFL would play one or two games on Saturday. Yeah, usually be like an NFL Network game. I kind of like that because Saturday's a is a is a slow news day after the college season ends. Right. I I, I actually really like that. I, I wish they would do more. In fact, I know they'll never do it. Um, barring a reschedule, they won't do Friday night. They don't. I, I remember talking to the league about that years ago. They don't like that. They don't want to interfere with high school. Maybe, but they 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 just go by. Um, viewership patterns and they, they they know the numbers are down viewing wise for sports on Friday nights. Yeah, I, I'm kind of odd like that. You know, like the Mac game or what do they play Tuesday nights yep. or something like that. Yep. I would watch that if there's a big time player. Oh, whenever there's Mac, been these it. COVID games moved to Tuesdays and Wednesdays, yeah. they've done great. But yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Adam Kaplan, we're going to be inside draft week next week for football at four. Adam will be in Vegas. We'll have football at four all week here with updates. Uh, what Howie Roseman could do. Will Debo Samuel be traded? Will there be other <laughs> big trades? Keep it locked to football at four to find out. Adam, have a good weekend, man. You too. Thanks. All right. That's Adam Kaplan football at four here on the sports Bass live on 97, three ESPN couple football, you know, conversations when we look at this, uh, he mentioned that nine of the 21 players the Eagles have had meetings with. So I guess there's some trade-up options that are going to be on the table when you think about it. I saw a mock draft today that had the Eagles possibly trading up to go get Sauce, um, you know, with, with pick uh, Sauce Gardner. I got to check out what pick they moved up to go into that spot. I would think you got to get inside the top seven to get Sauce Gardner, right? Would you agree with that? Um, I think that we talked about it, and if you missed any of the conversations I had this week with Andrew DeCecco, guys at wide receiver and safety that you're going to want to pay attention to, George Pickens is a name that keeps coming up as a wide receiver. Now, I don't know that they would take him at 15 or 18, but... Could they trade back? And that's where it would get interesting. Could I think this, the Eagles, I'm starting to think more about the possibility of these wide receivers that we've mentioned with Andrew, George Pickens, um, Dotson from uh, Penn State, another one. Don't, don't lose sight of Christian Watson from North Dakota State. He's a name that a lot of people are talking about all of a sudden could be getting into the back end of the first round. Could the Eagles trade back if they like one of these receivers? Or do they just stay where they are at 15, 18, take the best receiver that's on the board there? If they could trade on Burks is on the board, do you just snag them? Or do you say, you know what? We think we can get some more picks. Trade back because we like Pickens just as much as we like Burks or we like Pickens just as much as we like Garrett Wilson. Um, That's something to keep an eye on. I like Brian Cook, the safety from Cincinnati, as I've been doing a little bit more research on that position. He seems to be the guy that's standing out for me. And how would you get him? You probably have to be in that third-round range, 
somewhere in the deep third round. They have 101. I wouldn't be surprised if they had to make it. They had two-thirds if they had to do something uh, to move up to get him somewhere in the middle of that third round. So those are two names to keep an eye on. Pickens, I think they like. Brian Cook, the safety. I would venture to say, Mike, that I would be shocked if they don't take a wide receiver in the first two rounds, as well as a safety. I think they'll have at least one of each at the end of the second round. Mm -hmm. And I think that you're seeing a lot of media uh, mock drafts starting to say, well, the Eagles could take a Daxon Hill from Michigan, for example, in the first round. We've heard people talk about Brisker. That would be a trade back to me. Uh, Brisker in the second round. That was a 51 overall they have. So it's looking like that those are the two positions. There's the most buzz around with this team is safety and wide receiver. And we know also one of these picks is going to be some sort of defensive end pass rusher kind of guy. It really depends on how the board plays out because now, for example, you're seeing Walker fly up the board. People are saying he could potentially go number one overall, so that will obviously change You know who will and won't be available when the Eagles are picking if they stay put. Uh, Brian Cook, the safety from Cincinnati, and Kirby Joseph from Illinois. They're the two guys that I'm starting to yearn for. Like, okay. not yearn, but I hope they land one of those two guys. The guy that I really like the most who's not – Kyle Hamilton is a sign from Georgia. I I think he's a guy that makes a lot of sense in the NFL because he's someone. Seen Lewis Seen Lewis Seen. Yes. Thank you. He's someone who makes a lot of sense. I was for the, I was, I was like, well, who the hell are you talking about? Yeah, bad job. Yeah, I mean. no, it's all right. Uh, Lewis Sign. He's a Seen. guy. His name Lewis is Seen. Seen. Thank you. Watching a lot of Georgia this past year. He's a guy who looks like an NFL safety. Yeah, I mentioned him yesterday with uh, Andrew. He's a guy that Andrew, I think, sits second round. Yeah, like Brisker. You know, to me, Lewis Seen, right? There you go. That's what I think I remember from watching them play. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, well, the point is, is that to me, I'm a big believer in when you see a guy in college. It's C-I-N-E. Yes. Right. They were talking about the same guy, right? Yeah, Georgia. Just make it short. I know it's the Georgia safety. I think it's seen. (laughs) Yeah. But it's spelled C-I-N-E. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is, is that when you look at guys in college, I'm a big believer in when it comes to secondary, does the guy look like he can play in the NFL? It's a yes or no question. I think people get so wrapped up in the metrics and everything that they lose track of those things. All right, Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN, brought to you by AC Airport. Plan your next vacation now. Create memories to last a lifetime. Start with nonstop flights from AC, Boston, Atlanta, San Juan, and Miami. Book your low-cost flight at spirit.com. When we come back, we got today's headlines, and there are a ton of things happening out there. I think Charles Barkley made my week. Did you see uh, Inside the NBA last night? I did. That I was of the, all the of moment of the year, I think. When you play on the other side. Oh, my God, I was cracking up. It's hard to get me to do an LOL, like laugh out loud. I save them for truly, truly funny moments. I was laughing out loud last night. You going to play it for the other side, maybe? I might. I might. Okay. If I can find it.
More Sports Bash on the way. Now, spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. To more Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. 427 Sports Bash, don't forget, coming up, another chance for you to qualify for Pick Your Trip. We're running out of chances for you. 455, 555, 655 tonight on game night. Where we are our final on-air qualifiers for Pick Your Trip. We have Slack Tide Brewing next Thursday. For the Eagles Draft Party, Sports Bash is brought to you by Slack Tide Brewery for the ESPN NFL Eagles Draft Party starting at 2 o'clock Thursday, April 28th. Slack Tide Brewery, Cape May Courthouse, reminds you to always drink responsibly. All right, Josh Henney's my producer. How you doing, Mike? Ready for this day to be over, to be honest with you. (laughs) Well... I got some stories for you here. Let's first start. So in the aftermath of the Jay Wright retirement, they had the press conference everything today, there's a lot of uneducated speculation online about Jay Wright trying to take one of these NBA jobs. Well, today, Charlotte fired James Borrega, now making at least two job openings in the NBA, them and Sacramento. I ask you, Mike Gill, if you were a head coaching candidate, where would you rather coach, Charlotte or Sacramento? Probably Charlotte. Got ball. I mean, unless I don't feel like dealing with his father. It seems like his father has been pretty quiet. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard much about his dad recently, but I like that Charlotte. I mean, I like ball better than I like Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, Organizational history playing into this at all? Both lousy. I mean, organizational history. I got no history from either. The Kings had one little run when I was in college. Charlotte's been in the playoffs more recently than Sacramento has. That doesn't constitute um, any history. They, they, their history has been, both of them, frivolous. Well, you're going to put it that way. Then maybe do, they, they, do, you, do you look at either one of those franchises having some rich history? I'm not saying the Charlotte's history, changed their but- name twice. Well, yes, but what my point is is that I see one organization as a perpetual dumpster fire. Both of them, as and, a perpetual and and the other organization fire. is attempting to try to be a winning organization. Well, they both have been perpetual dumpster fires. Charlotte's a better. That's why I said Charlotte is a better situation now than Sacramento. But both have been perpetual dumpster fires. You're acting as if how could you think that Charlotte? This is a winning. Or, no, Charlotte's been. I didn't awful. say they're a winning organization. They're both perpetual dumpster fires. Neither one of those organizations are the mo- the model of success. Neither no. one. Charlotte won 43 games this year. They're slightly better than Sacramento, although Sacramento has a better history than Charlotte. Correct. Neither one has a history of success. The slim history of success they have, Sacramento smaller, way long ago. Charlotte hasn't ever, I don't even think they've ever gotten out of the first round. And if Not- they have, it hasn't been since... The 80s. I was going to say maybe the maybe there was a team in the 90s, but it's been too long. Um, speaking of the basketball, let's give an update on all the guys and their injuries. 
So, as you and Ryan discussed earlier a little bit, Ben Simmons says he's not playing game three. He's expected to play game four. Robert Williams expects to return for game three versus Brooklyn in limited minutes. And if it goes well, he will see a significant increase in minutes for game four. Luka Doncic played his second straight day of five on five. He is hopeful to return for his next game in the Mavs Jazz Series. Williams is a big return for the Celtics. Huge for them, by the way. Um, although they haven't needed him so far. But, I mean, big picture-wise. Yeah. Not so big in this series because Brooklyn doesn't really have a lot of size. No, but so if it's Celtics versus Bucks in the next rounds, we expect it to be, they're going to need yeah. Robert Williams for that series. Oh, I agree. He's definitely say big picture. They need him. This series, probably not. Uh, Simmons, you know my feelings about him. I think that if used correctly, and I don't know that they're going to use him right, I feel like they will, that he could change that series. Well, it's funny you said that because Steve Nash told the media today, quote, Ben Simmons is going to play many roles for us. He can push and transition. He can create. He can facilitate on offense as a point guard. He can also be a screen and roller for us and a playmaker out of the role. Okay. Well, I don't have a lot of doubts that he'll fit in nicely there. A lot of people seem to disagree with me. In fact, I would say about 90%. <laughs> My biggest question with Simmons is his conditioning. Because, I mean, you've been off for this long without playing a significant NBA game. Yeah. You know, I don't know what level your conditioning is at. Fair. Um, I don't doubt his talent. I just doubt his conditioning. Yeah, I, 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 I think he'll have a bigger factor in that series than most people do. And who was the third one? And then Luca. They're Luka. hoping he returned for game four. It's his second straight day of playing 5 on 5 yeah, they'll win that series. Um, but Luca, I would almost if they if he doesn't play in Game Three, no Game Four, and they win again, I, I'd probably hold him out. Yeah, the only, the only reason why to bring him back really at that point would be just give him some run. You know what I mean? Some live run. But I mean, what's the point then? Just getting five on five work anyway. He's the most obviously impactful of that group. If the Mavs get to the next round, Luka could be the guy who changes. The well, season. keep in mind with Booker possibly out for that game or that round. Mm-hmm. If you have Luka coming back and they don't have Booker, yeah, tides maybe shift to Denver. Very shifty. I'm doubt. I'm not. I'd say it's right now. I'm at sixty forty. Phoenix wins that series against the Pelicans. I think that's fair. I would probably go a little closer to sixty six thirty three myself, but hey. Yeah, I'm, I'm just splitting hairs at that point. <laughs> yeah, you're getting a little bit more precise than I chose to. <laughs> I got an NFL story for you, Mike. Remember Earl Thomas? I do. He hasn't played in two years, but he texted Adam Schefter saying, quote, I'm ready, I'm in shape, my timing's on point, that he's ready to return to the NFL. Thomas, who turns 33 in May, has him plays and being released by the Ravens in August of 2022. Two days after he punched teammate Chuck Clark during a training camp. After some bizarre legal issues off the field and some other things he's been dealing with personally, it looks like Thomas is trying to put everything behind him and get back on the field. So I saw this because obviously anybody who has somewhat of a name, Eagle fans are like, you got to go after this guy. <laughs> Earl Thomas was once great. I don't think Earl Thomas is the right fit for the Eagles, though. And he was 
if the Ravens are cutting you because they don't think you can play anymore. I know we got into a fight and that maybe added to it, but I think if he could play, we would have saw him in the league last year somewhere. Yeah, now people forget. So what Thomas did in his spare time, since he hasn't played, is he actually had a lawsuit against the Ravens. And he had a domestic violence thing, too, didn't he? Well, the domestic thing, we he ended up being found not guilty of. So for those who don't know, Thomas and his buddy were both cheating on their wives. His wife showed up and tried to kill him. And the police showed up and basically strategy. saved Thomas's life from his wife. Yeah, I mean, if I remember correctly, the Cowboys even kicked the tires on him and they, they weren't interested. And so the Houston Texans Okay, well. I don't remember them, but I remember Dallas because Earl Thomas, Dallas, everybody, and they weren't even interested. And that was two years ago. So for those who don't know, he filed a lawsuit against the Ravens saying that they his contract called for a guaranteed salary of $10 million dollars. The Ravens used a clause in his conduct contract saying that his conduct was contrary to team rules, and the case was eventually resolved out of court. Yeah, I'm out on Earl Thomas. I don't think anybody else signed him either. Did you hear T.O. this morning on KJM? I did not. They asked him, like, in other words, he's playing in this um, fan league. Yeah. He scored a touchdown the other day. and. Keyshawn basically said he thinks that Terrell Owens could be a team's number two or three or four, depending on what team he was on. Yeah, I mean. And he said, how come, why do you think no team has called and given you even a tryout? uh Uh-huh. And, you know, he was like, you know why, basically, uh, yada, yada, yada. But T.O. himself said he thinks he could play in the NFL still. Do you? I think T.O. could be a slot receiver in the NFL, sure. He's 48 years old. He's in better shape than. He's in tremendous shape. I'm not. He's I'm not saying I'm just than... that was more of a it's an unbelievable <laughs> comment that he's 48 years old. And I and I think I agree that he could be if he was the Eagles number three, he'd be significantly more productive than Jalen Rager. I would say that if he was the Eagles three receiver, he would catch 50 balls for five touchdowns. There's no question in my mind. You could put him in the slot. He'd catch the ball. He'd be a chain mover. I, I, I when he, when I'm listening to the interview it was on this morning and. I'm thinking to myself, you know what? He's right. He could play in the slot, and you're exactly right. He could catch five passes, uh, 50 catches for 575 yards, five touchdowns, and of the 55 catches, probably 38 of them would be for first downs. (laughs) Right? It's so true. He would just be a guy third and eight. Boom. Every time. Every time. (laughs) Did you find that Barkley audio? I do have the Barkley audio. Um, now, I, I, I mean, I find stuff funny, but I only save my laugh out louds for, like, really funny stuff. I can't be like the boy that cried wolf, right? If you were going to make me laugh, you got to really make me laugh. I think you're just thinking too hard about it. you got to let loose sometimes. I know. When, when you really say something funny, I let you know it. I can't just give you the proverbial you're always funny because not everybody's always funny. No, that's not true. Nobody's all the funny all the time. So... Barkley, it's not even the content of what Barkley said, because it's very sophomoric. It's the reaction. I want you to listen to the reaction that Barkley has, okay? Listen to Barkley. That's where I lost it. When Barkley, and it's it's very subtle, okay? Shaq can't control himself. He's laughing uncontrollably. 
But Jack and I could be friends. Bark, yes, Barkley. <laughs> his reaction is the best. Here's the exchange from inside the NBA. Banging and banging and banging. When a guy's banging you, you don't you spin off of him. Those are the worst defenders to play against, actually, because if you can feel their body, uh, come on. <laughs> 18 points for Joker, only nugget in double figures. 69-59, Golden State shooting 67 <laughs> way out of order right now. Oh, man. I mean, they have Shaq. He cannot contain himself. You have to see the video I of saw Shaq. it last night. He cannot contain himself. And Barkley just says, oh, come on, man. When he says, in that tone, just dry, come on. <laughs> like he's that like, moment embodies half of me and Mike Gill's relationship. I'll be laughing hysterically uh, like Shaq, and Mike turns around and just says, come on, man, like Chuck just did. Oh, man. I lost it when he said, come on. Like, grow up. But even <laughs> Charles couldn't contain himself because Shaq couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> Kenny's back there laughing, but they put the camera on Shaq, and he's like a 10-year-old kid. Oh, Shaq was great. Oh, my God. Barkley's reaction was Shaq had a good so night good. on the studio last night. Barkley's reaction was so good. Kenny the Jet was uh, Jimmy Trainer's guest on the uh, Sports Media Pod this week. Oh, yeah? And he was asked about his funniest moment. And Shaq, uh, Kenny said, it could happen tomorrow. It happened tomorrow. Yeah, tonight, last night was tomorrow because they recorded it on Wednesday. Yeah. I said, there it was. It happened. Jimmy Trainer pulled up the one when he, uh, when LeBron asked, hey, is James Harden hurt? How come no one drafted him? <laughs> Barkley says, he ain't anymore. <laughs> All right, Paul Hudrick, how will this series finish? Sunday, uh, Saturday, Monday, or other? That's next. Now. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. To the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. All right, Sixers and the Raptors tomorrow at 2 right here on 97.3 ESPN. Paul Udrick inside the Sixers as uh, these two teams will face... For the fourth, will it be the final time? Let's find out what Paul Hudrick thinks. What did we see on Wednesday night that makes us feel one way about the series? I'll tell you what, Paul. It was an ugly game aesthetically, but the Sixers still shot 41% from three. That's a number that stands out to me in a night where they were terrible uh, turning the ball over. They still knocked down shots. I thought that was something that stands out. So, was that win enough to say sweep? It could be because I was pretty demoralizing um, to, to lose in the fashion they did. And if, if you remember, not to pat myself on the back too much, but the last time we talked, I said I had a feeling it would be reminiscent of that game four in Brooklyn or it would be ugly and it would be close, but Joel Embiid would be great and they would and they would kind of win in, in, in a very tight game. And that's pretty much exactly what happened. So could you just sense that the Raptors were going to – there was going to be a game where the Raptors looked like 
resembled the team they were in the regular season, which is uh, creating turnovers, crashing the offensive glass, getting transition opportunities, which they did more of in game three than by far than what they did in games one and two. But I think what you ultimately saw is that the Sixers are just a better team and they have the best player, certainly in this series, perhaps on the planet right now uh, in Joel Embiid. So it's it's a pretty demoralizing loss in that sense. Can't really complain about the officials because there weren't too many free throws in that one. Can't complain about the last shot because it was a clean look and and Joel Embiid nails it. It, it looks like no Scotty Barnes again for the Raptors on Saturday. So and then you see Joel Embiid after the game uh, talking some trash to Drake and he seemed like he was hungry and wanted to shut those people up and. I think he's going to come in tomorrow hungry and ready to sweep this team out of the playoffs. Yeah, Paul, you know, how much of that you followed, uh, you've been on this beat for in Embiid's entire career for the most part, right? And this was almost like that that moment for him. Like, this is really his standout moment. He doesn't have one. They've all been misses. Uh, he doesn't have that victory, that series win. I mean, that moment might be the propelling one of this guy has – lost the weight, put himself in shape, had the numbers, had the seasons, done things that were all like, wow. But was this the moment where now he takes it and it drives him to be even better? It sure felt like it, right? It's like you mentioned, all the things he's gone through in his career, uh, all the disappointment, including in that building against that team in 2019 in game seven to kind of exercise those demons. uh, You know, that's first of all, it's just no small thing. I mean, that's a big deal. And I think through three games, you're seeing that this is not Joel Embiid from 2019. This guy's a completely different player. This guy's a completely different player than what we saw even last year when he was the runner-up for league MVP. Like, he looks, again, to me, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo is great. Uh, Nikola Jokic is great. Uh, I I think the Philadelphia 76ers have the best basketball player on the planet right now. And I do think when you look at some of the great players around the league, you know, in the history of the league, we all watched the last dance. Like, look at all the stuff Michael Jordan had to go through just to get to his first title. Everyone, and there were people who wrote it, who said, oh, Michael Jordan doesn't look like he's ever going to win a championship. Then the guy wins six. Like, it, it's not to say Joel Embiid and Michael Jordan are obviously direct parallels, but just the idea that all of these, like, not everybody's Magic Johnson, where you show up as a rookie and, and you want, and you have a Kareem with little Jabbar in your team and you, you know, and you get to a title or, you know, like a Dwayne Wade, like, not, not that is atypical that that stuff normally doesn't happen even what you're seeing with Tyrese Maxey this is not normal for a 21 year old guy to be on a team like this so Joel Embiid has had to go through a lot and you're right Mike that felt like a moment uh when you consider the team uh that that has given him so many problems in the past in that arena that was literally chanting F Embiid uh in that moment to do that it felt special and to me too Mike like looking at Philly postseasons in like recent history other than like Nick Foles in the Super Bowl, has there been a better single game performance in maybe the last like decade? I'm not so sure. Um, his reaction told the story though, right? When he makes that, it almost felt like no one else was was on the same level of excitement as him. Like you would think they were coming over to him, like this is well, unbelievable. Instead, you know what? You know who was Tobias Harris, and that's because Tobias Harris was on the court in 2019 too, and he felt a lot of the same pain that Embiid has felt over the last couple of years. Yeah, well, Embiid hits the shot, and you see the jubilation. Like that to me was what I'm reading of. This guy's watching it all kind of unfold. Now, I hope, you know, who knows, they could lose tomorrow and again, and maybe they win this series and move on, and then it's not. An, but for him personally, 
it felt like like you're watching this jubilation of this guy who's had so much go on. You know, he misses his first two years. His brother has died. You know, the team's been knocked out of the playoffs. He's 0 for 14. He's got to go through the Simmons thing. Everyone's asking about being the MVP. And then he hits that shot, and it was like, see, you know, like validation. You mentioned Harris. We were talking about X factors earlier. Some would say Maxi. I'm not surprised by Maxi based on what I've seen. But I think Harris, what he has added, is almost the most important guy they got right now. Yeah, that's not a crazy thing to think, Mike, because uh, I agree with you. I mean, you and I have always been extremely high on Tyrese Maxey. I've said, I've been saying for quite some time that his his first All Star appearance is is coming. It's not a matter of if for me; it's when. Like he he is going to be great um, in this league for a long time. How great I don't know, but he's he's going to be great for a long time. With Tobias Harris, it was fair to wonder because when James Harden first got here, it didn't look like it was going to work. It, it, it looked like a very clunky fit. But you have to give Tobias Harris all the credit in the world for adjusting and basically becoming, in this series, an elite like 3 and D player because his defense, Mike, it hasn't been good. It's been like elite difference-making his defense. He's been fantastic through three games. Real quick, Paul. Um, so- real quick, Paul. Some news has just come out concerning... Joel Embiid. Oh, boy. Uh, He is experiencing pain and discomfort in his thumb. He practiced today. He does expect to play in game four, according to Ramona Shelbourne and Woj. He could get an MRI in the future to determine the extent of that injury. We have seen him holding that thumb. Uh, He had it wrapped, so... You would just hope that that doesn't play a factor here. Even more the reason to try to get this series over tomorrow. No, 100%. And, yeah, he clearly had that thumb taped in the second half. When he had that dunk on Siakam, you saw him shaking it and favoring it a little bit. Um, clearly didn't affect him on the last shot of the game, so that's that's a plus. Uh, but I knew I do know, too, the media there said he was wearing, like, a, a soft brace on it after the game, too. Um, he I think Pompey was the one who asked him, or is this going to stop you from playing game four? And he said, no chance. So um, no surprise that he's playing. But like you said, Mike, that is true. Like get this over with and then get him a nice rest and, and have him ready for, for the second round. Yeah. So uh, you were talking about Harrison. Obviously we both agree on the importance, but I want to ask you, I don't want to look too far ahead, but 143 and oh, when teams are up three games to none, my question in your opinion, Paul can the Sixers make a deep playoff run, a championship run with this James Harden, this version? Is this the right version, or do they need him to be more of the Houston guy? It's tr- it's a little bit of a tricky question, but I'll say this. Um, I guess just to, to answer it like broadly, yes, with this version of James Harden, can they win? Can they get to a championship? Yes, I, I believe so. Um, I do there might be a game or two where they need his offense a little bit more. They need him to score a little bit more. But I think what you're seeing, and I don't want to – you and I have always been Ben Simmons fans. We've always liked this game. We've always appreciated the kind of player he is. So I don't want to – this isn't an anti-Ben Simmons thing. This isn't the pile on him. But you see the difference when you can run a half-court offense and how important that is in the playoffs. And right now – the Sixers never had, like, Jimmy Butler was the only guy they had like this in the entire Joel Embiid era. Now you have two of them with Tyrese Maxey and James Harden. And I think James Harden playing that point guard role, I think it actually is serving them very well because 
he doesn't have to be the guy in Houston because he never played with anybody like Joel Embiid. Even like Chris Paul, as great as Chris Paul is, Chris Paul's not the same. Like Joel Embiid is a dominant scorer. He just led the league in scoring. So you don't need James Harden to be that guy. You almost need James Harden to be more like Chris Paul and fit that role, run that offense, make the plays that are there. And then when you see Tyrese Maxey's emergence and how well he's played, um, I, I think what you're seeing, again, is just a contrast of years past of not having that traditional point guard and not being able to play a half-court offense. And now you can, uh, especially against a team like the Raptors, who does a lot of weird stuff and, and funky stuff. It's really not presented them very many problems, even though they turned the ball over a ton last game. And I even think last game you could argue that Harden kind of steadied the ship. You know, they were really struggling. Embiid was a mess in the first half. And I think it was Harden that kind of kept them afloat for for much of that game. So, um, you know, is he the James Harden of old right now? No, he's not. Is it the hamstring? Is it age? I don't know. Um, but he does not have to be the, the Houston guy to me. I think he just needs to keep doing what he's doing and getting Joel Embiid rolling, getting uh, Tyrese Maxey rolling, getting uh, Tobias Harris involved and just keep being the point guard. Uh, Paul Hedrick, LibertyBallers.com, and the whole team over there covering this series. You can check out more on the Game 3. Game 4 tomorrow, 2 o'clock, right here on 97.3 ESPN. And uh, if any new news happens with this Embiid injury, we will let you know here between now and the end of game night tonight. Paul, have a great weekend, man. We'll talk to you Monday, bud. Sounds good, Mike. Take care, man. That's Paul Hedrick from Liberty Ballers here on the Sports Bash. We need another qualifier. 609-573-3776. 609-573-3776. I need caller number seven right now. Caller seven. You'll be qualified for a chance to win an Eagles road trip in 2022. You pick the Eagles road game you want to go to. We'll include airfare, hotel, a pregame tailgate party, and two tickets to the Eagles road game of your choice. You must be present to win at Slack Tide Brewing Company in Cape May Courthouse on Thursday for the NFL Draft Party. Trip is courtesy of Philly Sports Trips. Plan your next Philly trip at phillysportstrips.com. Food provided that day from Ernest and Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop in Brigantine. Caller 7, good luck. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. It's Happy Hour Friday here on the Sports Bash Live. 97.3 ESPN. Hey, congratulations. Joe and Egg Harbor Township, you joined Mike in Ocean City and Matt in Cape May Courthouse. They've been our qualifiers today. We have another chance for you to qualify coming up at 555. Pick your trip. It's our last qualifier on the Sports Bash. We'll have one more tonight during game night at 655. And then next week, we'll have some bonus opportunities for you. We'll tell you how. Stick around. Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Uh, It's a happy hour Friday. Uh, Pete Thompson's here as we uh, take a look at everything that's going on, PT, as uh, some news just came down regarding the big fellow, Joel Hans Embiid. 
Are you uh, privy? I don't, I don't necessarily like when she says it, but I like when you say it. That sounded strong and forceful. Uh, I saw that. He was wearing, a, what, some protection on his thumb or something like that? He is experiencing pain and discomfort in his thumb. He did practice today and expects to play in the game, but it's possible he gets an MRI in the near future to determine the extent of the injury. It's almost as if he's like, I know something's wrong. I don't want you to look at it until the series is over right. to maybe determine the extent, but... You know, he made the shot, and, and yes, he had a soft cast on the wrist. And people thought maybe he hurt his wrist when he slammed it, and he was kind of holding his wrist. But apparently yeah, it's stung. he kept kind of working that. Yeah. I, I, after that dunk. Sure, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. But, yeah, uh, and it's his right hand that we're talking about. So his right hand, his right thumb area. And that's you can see him going back up the court, sort of working on it. And, yeah, that, that's initially, I mean, that's the way they described it on the broadcast, and that's what I thought is that he threw down the dunk so forcefully and so violently that uh, that's maybe what hurt his wrist. But I guess apparently it's a thumb issue and not a wrist issue. Yeah, I mean, hey, wrist, thumb, whatever it is, if it's on that hand area, you don't want that being a factor, especially on his right hand if he's in, uh, you know, have to dribble. He's been doing a lot of ball handling at the top of the key and down low, and, you know, that's uh, something that you don't want to see. Look, it's always seemingly been something with him. He has gotten this far. He's fallen on the floor all the time, slip, sliding, flopping, falling. Um, it it's almost feels like it's bound to happen that he's going to get hurt, and then he ends up getting hurt possibly doing something, slamming the ball. Right, something that you got excited about, something that was like so awesome that you you were almost stunned, like wow, did that just happen? But yeah, I mean, it's funny. I, I haven't, you know, I haven't had that hold my breath moment about Joel. Oh Lake. man, I think I've had about four or five. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Uh-huh. I mean, the one he he got maybe the one in- where he, he ran into where Matisse Thibel ran into his elbow and he was kind of like working his arm a little bit. Yeah, well, I guess you're right. That one. I, I mean, he got slammed. When you're that big. <laughs> he, well, he got slammed in between Siakam and a bunch of guys uh, in the middle of the paint. He had uh, – there's a couple times where, you know, he does those Euro steps and sometimes he falls and you wonder if his knee gets stuck and he's going to move in one direction. He's always seemingly sliding around. I mean, it's just so many times where you're like, oh, is he hurt? Like, you know, he's so big. Yeah, big man go boom. You know, he's so big and he's such a gigantic force. I mean, the same thing that makes him unstoppable is the same thing that makes you hold your breath. What do you attribute his five-point first half the other night and then 28 points in the second half in overtime? What what woke him up? I think just the game was so sloppy. They had so many turnovers that it was hard to get into any offensive flow or rhythm in that first half. I mean, the second half wasn't much better, but it was – aided by the fact that Embiid basically said, and, and and we talked about this on Friday, um, on Wednesday show, was Embiid, I think if the off, like the offense was so sloppy that Embiid was like, all right, I'm going to have to do more. I'm going to have to take over this game kind of defensively or offensively here. And he was making, oh, my God, some of the shots he made were just unbelievable. That spin around that was like right near the free throw line where he kind of spun around and fading away hit. And got that shot to go. I did. I heard Ryan on with you earlier, uh, and I did. I also did not like the three that he missed. But you know, that's maybe a little fair weather, Thompson. Right? I mean, I didn't like the one he missed, but I sure loved the one that went in. I mm-hmm. mean, that's sort of hypocritical to be that way. But you know, it, it, I just uh, it, it was it was an unbelievable ball game, and uh, for them to rally from where they were down and to be able to pull that out uh, puts them, you know, in such a strong position, in my opinion, that. Uh, 
you know, it, it almost feels like it's all, only a matter of time. Well, you know, I'd like to see them. I know selfishly, you know, hey, if they win in four or five, what's the big difference? I, I selfishly, I want to see them sweep this thing, get it over right. with, and let this team, <laughs> because, PT, I have reasonings, you know. Um, oh, I know. <laughs> no, I want to see them get the time off, and I think that Doc Rivers has done a good job. He said the other day, and I take him at this, is, hey, the more practice time, the more we can install, the more things we can put in, the more these times get a, these guys get a chance to you know do things. Remember, James Harden got sent here with 20-some games left. Uh, right. I think it was Keith Pompey last night talking to Josh who said, you know, when was the last time somebody got traded in the middle of the season and they won the championship? Like, it doesn't happen that you add a player of that magnitude and the team wins the championship. Yeah, pieces, I mean, we like to think as fans that they seamlessly go together, but you have to drill, you have to skill, you have to repetition, you have to do all that stuff. I mean, the, the other thing, too, I thought that was interesting when that shot went up the other night is you realize that was Joel Embiid's first ever game-winning shot in the final second of a playoff or a regular season game. I mean, the guy up to that point was 0 for 14 on game time or go-ahead field goals with one second left. So, I mean... What was the precedent that was going to tell you as that shot went up in the air that it was going to go? And then when it went, you know, I immediately saw that there was time left on the clock. Now, uh, it's interesting because uh, the television voice uh, was going crazy and thought the game was over. But I also heard the radio call and the more experienced veteran radio announcer knew that there was still time left on the clock. Yeah, it's funny that um, I did. You hear the uh, Toronto call? No, I'd love to hear that. Was uh, were they stunned silent? I'll play it for you. I'll find it here for a se- in a second. Okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, one of the, I was listening to a podcast about this very topic, and they were kind of not ripping Mike Breen, but and Ian Eagle had a situation. These broadcasters now they can't make these definitive calls. Because buzzer beaters and anything like clock oriented has to get reviewed. Right. And if you're, yeah, so you're sort of stealing away the thunder of, you know, I mean, and I'm sure I would think at some point you might ask me about Jay Wright. You know, if Chris Jenkins hits that shot and Ryan Fannin, who you had on today, can't euphorically celebrate because, oh gosh, it's going to get reviewed. I know we're talking about a different level of basketball, but I understand your point, which is that, you know, here you have these amazing broadcasting voices out there and you want to hear that celebratory call. You want to hear that. And I I don't know about you, but like I immediately, even though he was dancing around, I thought like this game's not over yet. There's point something left on the clock. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it wasn't. Well, I'll tell you what the series has gone. Look, I had Toronto winning game three. I thought it would be an ugly, aesthetically unpleasing game, which it was. But guess what? That's a game that the Sixers always lose. So the fact that they won, it tells me, hey, maybe they're ready. Maybe they're taking that next leap. Maybe they are ready. They're all growns up and they're all growns up. You know what I mean? (laughs) Well, when they were down 17, it looked like your prediction was right, that Toronto was going to win the game three. But somehow they found a way. And then it was sloppy and, and, you know, uh, uh, better to win it in overtime than to not win it at all. Hey, I and, take you know, no joy if I was right in that situation. I have no problem 
being incorrect. I felt that Toronto would win the game. I was wrong. I don't care. I'm going to be wrong about picking games. If I wasn't wrong about picking games, I'd be a lot richer man than I am right now. Um, But that being said, the Sixers don't ever win that game, Pete. They don't come from behind. They don't are they they're the team that blows the big lead. They're not the team That's that comes correct. back from the big lead. So does that make you feel differently about this team, I guess? It sort of makes you feel like maybe this is the special year and this is the special run, you know, and, and believe it or not, maybe maybe Harden is one of the differences. Tobias Harris on both ends of the floor, too, by the way. I, I think of the entire time that Tobias Harris has been a sixer, you haven't seen that. Tobias Harris, and by that I mean the guy that not only can fill up the stat line by scoring, but the guy that can shut down some of the guys on the other side. And I thought, you know, he didn't, you know, he may not have popped out on the stat sheet, but to me, Tobias Harris is a big reason why they're up 3-0 in the series. Did you notice my hat, by the way? I did. It's a Sixer hat. I got this hat with you and your father and some other people in a suite and uh and not long after i had it without within six months of having it i remember we had chris heck on the radio and he said the hat was off brand and i said well sir i bought it at your building <laughs> but this off brand hat is three and oh so i'm gonna keep wearing the damn thing see now you you are one of the guys who you wear a shirt and hat that don't match well, I didn't have a hat on at all. I just put the hat on for the segment so that we could talk about it. But, yeah, you know, I mean, I have a temple hat, but, you know, I was only wearing temple because, you know, it's warm out. There. I got you a I nice need... temple hat. You did get me a nice temple hat. I wear that one probably more. That's the one I wear the most. It's a temp. It's a Phillies hat with a temple tee on the side, and it is awesome. See, you're one of those people, like, the the, the, the guy who goes to a game – and he wears, like, a Phillies jersey, and then he puts a Sixers hat on. No, no, that's not true. Now, if I'm at a Sixers game, I'll, the, uh, the shirt and the hat will match. I Again, I only did this today because I wanted to talk about the hat because I wanted to say that even though it's off-brand, it's 3-0, so I'm going to keep wearing it. That's, Fine. That was my only point. Uh, you got a Temple shirt on. What about Jay Wright, Villanova? Now, are you one of those guys at your Temple, no Villanova? Nah, I, I, you gotta, how do you not, I'll do this, tip my cap to Jay Wright and what he did. I mean, you know, and, and the thing about it is, and I've read some great stuff over the last few days from Mike Sealski. I've read some stuff from Dana Pennant O'Neill, uh, you know, who knows him as good as anybody and wrote the book right after their first championship. Uh, Jay Wright actually healed for me any wounds that were out there between Temple and Villanova or Temple and or St. Joe's and Villanova even. Even even the St. Joe people begrudgingly are like, yeah, yeah, you got to give it to Jay Wright. I mean, how can you not? The, the guy's numbers, and, and he's going out on his terms. Nobody saw it coming, certainly not me, you know. And when that, when that news broke the other night, I was like, wow, just wow. And I think that's exactly what your initial tweet was, was like, Wow. You know, I mean, and and what you think about, too, is that basically in 13 months, just over a year, you've had Roy Williams, Coach K, and now Jay Wright all retiring. And that's a huge changing of the guard to me in big names, big coaching names. Yeah, I said, uh, and all three of them, Roy, Coach K, and Jay Wright were relevant towards the end. The only one not, Jim Beheim, and he's still hanging on. 
Yeah, he is hanging on. I don't know. Maybe he asked, I don't know what he didn't get the full vested in his pension. Like, well, <laughs> what are you? What are you doing, Coach Beheim? You know, it's funny. Uh, like, and I was trying to think too when I was driving around today, listening to you talk a little bit, and I heard Ryan Fannin on, and he was excellent. I only got to interact with Jay Wright, I think, once or twice, and one of the times was at Boardwalk Call. They brought their team down for one of those, like you know, Friday Saturday type events sort of things, and. That was that was early in his tenure at Villanova. Yeah, they played like Longwood or something. That's exactly who they played, Longwood. Yes, yeah, very good, Mike Gill. Good pull by you. But I remember that you know I know they went to Tropicana. I know they had like as a team had like the Italian dinner at Carmine's, you know. But I just remember how nice he was. Not when he was sitting up on the podium on camera, but afterwards he like jumped down and was like, "All right, you guys need to do something one on one." Like you know, no sports information, you know, no Mike Sheridan saying, "All right, we're going to do this for you." You know, he came to you and said, "Hey, what can I do for you?" And I, I think anybody that covered him on a regular basis or was around him will say that kind of stuff about Jay Wright. So, yeah, I don't know what the beach is, but I hope he has a great summer in Stone Harbor or Avalon or Sea Isle or wherever those beaches you were naming. Yeah, so uh, we had a conversation with Ryan Fannin, who is the uh, voice of the Villanova Wildcats. If you missed it, uh, you could check that out tomorrow morning during the Best of the Sports Bash uh, 9 o'clock hour. We'll have that uh, in that hour uh, tomorrow. Phil's tonight, by the way. Odubel Herrera is back. He's in the lineup. He's playing center oh, field tonight. Alec Bohm is back at third base. Alec Bohm. Yeah. And uh, um, uh, what else? Give me more. Give me more. Camargo is at short. The, the, the red hot Johan Camargo. Yeah, Yo, well, the, Johan. The, right? the, the interesting part is that, you know, Boma's been hot. He's been playing third base now. DD's been out, but they're going with Camargo over Stott. So I'm wondering when or if there's room for Stott on the roster. That's true. He might get squeezed out if they need to, you know, uh, make room. I, I know this. If you go four for five with a home run and three RBI and – and, and you're hitting the cover off the ball, there's going to be a spot for you, you know? And, and as far as uh, Odubel Herrera coming back, he's got to be better than Veerly. I mean, that's that's the one guy in the lineup. But I don't mean to rip on the guy. I'm sure he's coming along just fine in his progress at AAA. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just, he doesn't look like he should be in on the major league roster. It wouldn't have been if Moniak hadn't gotten hurt and Odubel wasn't trying to make his way back. Uh, my big thing is that, they're teetering to me. They're teetering on the brink right now, and I know you keep telling me it's early, but you got the eight and five Milwaukee Brewers against the five and eight Phillies, and you sit there and look at the three pitchers. Suarez goes tonight, Wheeler tomorrow. Now nobody has said this, but in Wheeler's last start, Gil, he couldn't throw a fastball. They, the broadcasters talked about it on the radio broadcast first, and then I came in to listen to what they were saying on the TV broadcast. He he literally could not throw a fastball, which let, makes me think, is he hurt? Does he have some sort of arm issue going on? So I'll be really curious. Now, of course, that's a that's a total back burner situation since the Sixers start at 2, and the Phillies are a 4 o'clock game tomorrow or 4.30 or something like that, I believe, uh, 4.05. And then, you know, they moved the – it's the Fanatics' birthday on Sunday, and they move that game instead of a one o'clock or one thirty. Now that's a seven o'clock start because they made that into the ESPN game. So, okay, thanks. That has been the ESPN game for a while. I know, but you know, that's just that a little doesn't... inside information for you, PT. I have the well, ESPN Sunday night baseball schedule, and that's been on the schedule since the start of the season. It it doesn't do uh, doesn't do uh, any of the kids that are coming for the fanatics' birthday a favor. 
That's what I'm trying to say. You know, tonight they ought to have a good walk-up crowd. No, 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 no. Well, um, okay, yeah, yeah, that's Sunday. Never mind. I was going to say, because you're getting the Sixers tomorrow at 2 and then right into the Phillies at 4, so you'll catch the Phillies in, like, the third inning. Yeah, I'm totally okay with that. I mean, and and you know I'm not really, although I did watch them last night, I actually watched the Philadelphia Flyers last night. They what won. do you think of that? Now, did you want the, were you cheering for them to win? Uh, yeah, of course. I always like them to win. You know, even though you're right that Seattle now moved ahead of them in what we call the reverse standings. I mean, uh, Arizona, Phoenix, the Coyotes, and the Canadians are one-two, if you will, as far as who's on the top. And nothing, even being the worst team in the league, the Flyers remember this, the JVR year where they didn't get uh, Patrick Kane. Even being the worst team in the league doesn't guarantee that you're going to get the top draft pick. But right now, if the season was over today, they'd be fourth mm. Uh, with the Devils, they have 59 points. The Devils have 61. Devils beat Vegas the other day. Way to go, Devils. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. The only, time, only time I'll ever root for the Devils. Um, I do want to go to this B thing back real fast because okay. there was some fear that he has a torn ligament in that thumb. But oh, gosh. Embiid has said that he will play. Um, he said he twisted it and then said there was no chance – it would keep him out of game four. He said and then, th- there was reportedly some fear that Embiid had torn a ligament in the thumb, but he has ugh. said that he will continue to play even if that was the case. Good. Well, fought, you know, put some, uh, rub some dirt on it, kid. We need you in there. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think of this whole thing where Danny Green says he got the technical by design? <laughs> Are you buying that? No, I didn't hear that. Yeah, there's a whole narrative where Danny Green said that, you know, well, I, I wasn't going to get pushed and shoved around a little more. It was extreme. So so I took the technical to give us a lift, right? But then they started talking to him, and they said, well, did you tell any of your teammates? Because they all basically came and stepped in between him and were, like, basically pushing him away from the officials. Mm. And he said, I've never gotten beat up on my teammates at the time of getting a tech. It's a little different when that tech happens. You usually get a chance to walk it off and walk to the bench. But in the midst of uh, me getting the technical, they were calming me down. I got a second beating. Yeah, well, (laughs) he is a veteran, so maybe he's a crafty veteran, you know? Ah, well, there you go. I guess I got to tip my cap to him. Hey, did you see the kid? The, the there was a junior college pitcher who gave up a home yes. run, and he yes. literally tackled the guy coming around third base. I mean, so I see the video first on Twitter, and, and I, I saw a much longer version the first time that I saw it, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And then within like the hour, you know, Barstool and other places had picked it up, and I think I believe I saw today on ESPN's website that they've kicked that guy off the team, like he's no longer on the team anymore. I believe. Good. Yeah. Uh, did you see the the Mike Tyson fight? I saw that as well, yes. Now, what I saw was, like, the initial thing was just Tyson leaning over the seat, beating the heck out of somebody. But then the the longer version of it, it sounds like they – first of all, you're on a plane, okay? On a plane right now is, is not – it's a challenge to begin with anyway. But then they ask Mike Tyson for a picture. He obliges and takes a picture with him, and then they continue to berate the guy, and apparently somebody threw water on him or something. I mean – you got to be pretty stupid to uh, to engage the former heavyweight champion of the world in in anything like that. And then I guess today, didn't it come out that this guy has a rap sheet or he's had some felonies or something like I that? I haven't One seen much follow people. up on it, but um, I love Keyshawn. This morning was cracking me up because he was like, "The man has a tattoo on his face. Why are you <laughs> messing with him?" 
Yeah, I mean, if you look up stupid in the dictionary, you're wrong. He was like, even if you didn't know that he was Mike Tyson, former heavyweight champion of the world, baddest man on the planet, he has a tattoo on his face. Right, what are you thinking? Oh, yeah, they knew who he was. Trust me, they knew who he was. And, and, you know, believe it or not, I almost actually feel bad for Iron Mike. There's there's nowhere to go in that situation. What are you supposed to do? What are you going to do? Call the flight attendant down and have them intercede on your behalf? I mean... You're in a you're in a vacuum. You're in a tube. You know what are you going to do? Yeah, and I think what he did. You know, I don't. I'm not advocating striking someone, but I think it, what he did was probably justified. Now, did you watch the inside the NBA uh, Barkley last night? I didn't see it last night, but uh, full disclosure, I saw it when you showed it to me on your phone, and I was dying laughing. Oh, the so. <laughs> The, there are so many best parts about it. And I said it doesn't even have to do anything with the content of what Barkley said. It's more just Barkley's reaction to everybody else. <laughs> well, and I think that's the greatest thing about that show. Like when that show had the, was it the 10 year anniversary or whatever, they did the four part thing. Did you watch those four parts where each one was on a different you know, uh, guy, like they did one on Ernie, they did one on the jet, they did one on Barkley, they did one on Shaq. These were hour long episodes of like what makes inside the NBA inside the NBA. Did you watch any of those? Mm-mm. They were, they were outstanding. Of course, I thought I'd like the Barkley one the best, but I really liked all four because I think it just, it just went behind the curtain a little bit to explain why their chemistry is so good, what, like how things started, how the gone fishing started, how the, you know, yeah. Kenny running back to the board and how that started, you know. I mean, look, all these years that that show's been on, and it still just makes you die laughing at the most unexpected times. The clip about Shaq trying to explain high gas prices, and that's why you don't ever let it get to empty, and that's how you're going to save money. Like, Shaq's version of economics is just comical and hilarious in its own right. Well, I'm going to play the audio because I want the listeners to hear. I want you to listen for Barkley, okay? Forget what he (laughs) says. I'm talking about everybody's laughing at what he says. He's very sophomoric. But I want you to listen for Barkley's reaction. It makes my day. Here it is. Take a listen. Banging and banging and banging. When a guy's banging you, you don't you spin off of him. Those are the worst defenders to play against, actually, because if you can feel their body, uh, come on. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> As if he's the mature one of the group, and he's like, yeah, that's a problem. If Chuck is the one that's uh, actually having the maturity, but you can, uh, and now that I heard it in my headphones as opposed to watching it on your phone, you could hear the little like. Hee-hee. Oh, but like then the, the camera zooms in on Shaq, and he just can't contain himself. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like you and me. I, uh, I, I enjoy the sophomore humor, and you usually tell me, come on, Tops. Right, come well, Barkley's trying to get a serious point across, <laughs> and those guys are, I mean, just in sixes and sevens. <laughs> you just never know what it is that's going to crack you Well, out. I'm listening to a podcast right now. Uh, with Kenny Smith, he's the guest, and he was. The question was, "Hey, what's your funniest moment in you know the history of the show?" And he says, "Oh, I don't know. It could happen tomorrow night." Well, sure enough, they recorded it that on Wednesday. <laughs> <For> one, <laughs> that or the that and when 
James Harden when 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 they did the the draft for the for the All Star game and LeBron said, "Hey, what's up with Harden? Is he hurt? Is he playing?" And Barkley says, "He ain't hurt anymore." Is when he got <laughs> traded. <laughs> oh yeah, he fired that one right back. He's got some good zings, man. But that one. He's talking about the defense, and Shaq just can't contain himself. And Barkley says, oh, come on, man. Yeah, I mean, even Kenny the Jet was laughing, too. But I don't know if he was laughing at Shaq trying to hold his laugh or not yeah. doing a very good Here, job of it. listen to Barkley. Uh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got to love it. All right. Uh, you know anything for the uh, game tomorrow? Yeah, going to be watching them right here from my house. Doesn't sound like a little fun. beverage. Wow, beverage, PT. Yeah. <laughs> Carb- maybe some, uh... Carbonated? <laughs> no. <laughs> maybe a little screwball peanut butter whiskey. Water? No, I said maybe a little screwball peanut butter whiskey. All right. Are you allowed, for, are you allowed to have that? Yeah, you mix it with uh, cranberry. It tastes delicious. Peanut butter cranberry. Well, it's like a peanut butter and jelly is what it is. You oh. can only have one, but that'd be my lunch. Okay. And then I'll start yelling that. at the TV. Enjoy the game. Thank you. To you too, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right. Happy Hour Friday. PT Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. I'm Mike Hill. Ah, uh, boy. Uh, the weekend is here. And I know with the weekend, we're going to be getting outside. Being outside means what? Your allergies could be a problem. Well, I have a way to fix that. Dr. Paul Lewis has fixed my allergy issues. You know, you just go outside on the pollen. You don't even want to be out there sometimes. Well, if you have allergy issues like I did, call the Premier Clinic for Allergy Elimination. South Jersey Advanced Health Solutions, 856-285-4788. You'll start feeling better almost immediately if you have allergies to pollen or mold or dust or dog hair, cat hair, shellfish, seafood, red meat. Lyme's disease, fertility issues, autoimmune disorders. All of these things can be fixed. And that's Dr. Paul Lewis, 856-285-4788. You'll start feeling better almost instantaneously. A quick, short procedure. And when I say procedure, I mean, he's really just testing you on a couple of things. Hey, you're allergic to this. You're allergic to this. You're allergic to this. And uh, your body will tell you whether you're allergic to not. Put it that way. It's really hard to explain because it's mind-boggling how amazing. I don't have any allergies anymore. How is that possible? Well, it's Dr. Paul. That's how. 856-285-4788. Make the call. Get rid of the allergies and enjoy it all. Even if you're allergic to barley, hops. I know people allergic to alcohol, beer. Get, they'll take care of it. I know people have seen them for that. Oh my gosh, I used to be allergic to barley, hops. Not anymore. Uh, truly marvelous. I'm Mike Gills. This is the Sports Bash. Hopefully you're enjoying your happy hour Friday, everybody. Uh, if you have a text message, fire it off. Thoughts on anything? Phillies, Eagles, Sixers, Flyers, I suck. I'm the worst. Whatever you want. I'm here for it. What are you laughing at? A lot of people think I'm not very good at my job. It's okay. Maybe I don't think they're very good at their job. I don't know where many of these people work, but I'm sure if I went and watched them, I could probably complain. Back with more Sports Bash. Now, back to the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. 
Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. So I want to get the Phillies lineup to you. In bead news, not good. Quite depressing, actually. I mean, he's gonna he's he's vowed to play. I mean, but if he has a torn ligament in his thumb, how effective can he be? That, according to Sham Sharania, is uh, that uh, there is some fear that Embiid has a torn ligament in his right thumb. That would be a shooting hand, right? And that, uh, essentially, um, he vowed to play. He says, there is fear that 76ers NBA All-Star Joel Embiid has a torn ligament in his right thumb, but Embiid has vowed to continue playing through the injury. Sources tell the athletic and stadium. Embiid will rely on his pain tolerance and the Sixers medical staff. I mean, it's always something, right? You get excited. This is Embiid's moment. He hits the three. Everybody's going bonkers. And now this. And according to Ramona Shelbourne and Woj, he is experiencing some discomfort in his right thumb. He is expected to play. But I don't know. Can you ride a a Joel Embiid with a – how long does a guy who has a torn ligament typically miss if you had a torn ligament during the regular season is there a guy that you remember that had a torn ligament in his right thumb didn't chris paul have that injury I think so. the good news is he said he's gonna play no matter what he's gonna go with this pain tolerance um the bad news is he's not gonna be the same joel Embiid. And if he is, that's incredible. I mean, he has a history of all these injuries that have knocked him out of series. The mask, he had to wear the welding mask the one year, Phantom of the Opera. What else has he gone through? I mean, you name it. Feels like this guy had the knee problem. He had the MCL sprain that he had to play with last year. Uh, You know, that limited him a little bit. What do you know? So Chris Paul originally suffered a partially torn ligament in his hand. In last year's NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. Then he re-tore it and made it worse during the regular season. He then went and had surgery. And he was out from the, basically January 16th to... It was like two months, basically. So he's out for basically roughly two months. So he he injured it in the finals last year, and he missed a game? All right. So he had surgery right after the finals. Right. To repair the torn ligaments that he played through during the finals. Yeah. So he he didn't miss any time? He didn't miss any time at all. He got the surgery after the game. Did he miss a game for it? Was it COVID? This year? No, in the final. Didn't he miss a game in the finals this year? Um, He had partially torn ligaments in his right hand that bothered him throughout the finals, the West Finals series. Right. He underwent another MRI a couple months ago after he had missing time off and on due to issues with the right hand post-surgery. 
Back on February 16th, Chris Haynes reported that Chris Haynes, uh, Chris Paul, not Chris Haynes, will undergo another MRI on his right hand that he injured against Houston that night. So he's had off and on issues with this hand. Mm-hmm. Apparently he's had issues with the hand going back to 2017, I'm reading, in this article, that he originally hurt his right hand back in 2017. It has been an on-again, off-again issue for him that has needed multiple surgeries since 2017. Well, it's not good. I hate to hear it. I'm not sitting here saying that uh, gloom and doom, but it started off as he had discomfort. Now it's he has a, possibly has a torn ligament, and it feels like if he has discomfort and he's experiencing pain, there's got to be something wrong in there. Well, here's my working theory. It doesn't mean I'm right about this. This is my working theory. I believe this organization has protected Joel Embiid more often than not from himself. This organization has a long history of Embiid saying, I'll be out there, but they won't let me be out there kind of thing. So I am going to work under the assumption that Joel Embiid is playing because the organization's doctors who have a history of protecting him from himself think that he's okay. Well, he has said, I'm going to play no matter what, so I don't care what's wrong with this. Right, but what I'm saying is is that he has a history of saying that, but they don't always let him do it. Yeah, you know I, mean? I mean, that's a different time, and, you know. Like, remember when he came back with the facial injury, you mentioned the welding mask. He wanted to come back sooner, but they wouldn't let him because they were like, well, we're checking to see what's the best. You know, remember Brett Brown said, you know, they die, they're seeing what's the best mask for him and all that stuff. The whole fiasco. He had a broken orbital bone. He did. And they were trying to figure out what was the best mask for him. And, and B said the one mask he had trouble seeing out worse than the other one. I, I think this is more, you know, this is a pain tolerance thing. I don't know. I've never had a torn ligament, so well, I have no idea. here's the thing. When you say... You probably this, did. I have. have had, torn I've had torn ligaments, yes. In your wrist? Thumb? This one right here. Jeez. It was the stupidest injury in the world. But... Did it hurt? What's that? Did it hurt? I had trouble moving my wrist for about a week. Mm. Now, again... Not optimal for a guy who's playing basketball. Well, again, I'm not a pro basketball player. I, I was, know I you're was, not, but the guy we're talking about happens to be. Now, I heard it during the fall, so I was okay to play basketball a few months later in high school. Yeah, but that's not the question. You had a torn ligament. I said, did it hurt? Hurt to move the wrist. It didn't hurt like like. Could, were you were you like out of action? I couldn't. I don't care that you played something two months down the road. <laughs> I'm talking about tomorrow. So when I when I busted up my wrist, I couldn't write with my right hand for a week. After a week, I was able to slowly regain use of my hand and wrist, even though it was an annoying pain for another month. Well, he's going to have to deal with it, it but looks I'm, like. I'm, I'm also an idiot, and I tend to play through and work through injuries even when I probably shouldn't. Yeah. So I'm the kind of person where I probably take longer to recover from things I should. All right. Well, we'll see. Um, I don't like the Ramona Shelbourne Woj is a, okay, he's got some discomfort in there. Mm-hmm. Sham's saying they fear that he's had a torn ligament. That bothers me more. Well, I went from eh to how much do you trust Shams? A lot. He he's the mouthpiece of Rich Paul, isn't he? Rich Paul doesn't isn't a Joel Embiid client. 
Well, is he? Joel, I don't think he, I don't think Shams is a is a irresponsible reporter. I think he is too tied to the whole Rich Paul Simmons th- situation. I don't know, but most Rich of his Paul other stuff, like he's Joel pretty good. Embiid? Put it this way: Ramona Shelbourne and Woj are both saying he's experiencing pain and discomfort in his right thumb. Right. Shams is taking it a step further by saying there's fear that he's torn the ligament. That's why there's pain and discomfort. Right. But I'm not discrediting is, him at all. There's, there's different tiers of. You know, tears as well. Is it a complete tear? Is it a partial tear? Is it a small tear? Is it a large tear? I'm supposed to be happy hour Friday. I'm supposed to be having fun. And then you throw that news on me. I didn't throw it on you. Segura, Hoskins, Harper's the DH because he's hurt too. Yeah, what's going on with that? Castellanos, Real Muto, Schwarber, Bohm, Camargo, Herrera. At your lineup tonight. Uh, Herrera's called up. He's playing center field. Bones at third. Camargo's at short. Didi's still hurt. Are you interested in Herrera tonight? I have no interest in Herrera. What would I, I mean, he's been around long enough. It's not like I'm excited to see Herrera come back. You just don't care at this point. No, Herrera is what he is. He's a, if he, at best, what is he going to get me? 260, 12 homers? Better than Veerling. Yeah, I mean, hey, look, you're the nine hole hitter. I expect the nine hole hitter to give me nothing. That's been my whole life. That's baseball. Of the, of the Dave Dombrowski era, which is a very small sample size, only a year and a half, basically, Matt Veerling is the biggest fail by him so far. I don't think that's fair at all. What do you mean it's not fair? Why is he, first off, it wasn't the plan to have Matt Veerling play center field. No, the plan is for him to platoon. Yeah, well, the platoon guy got hurt. Now he's back. Yeah, well, you should be able to at least, at least make a few hits here and there. Yeah, but why is that Dombrowski's fail? Because Dombrowski and the organization sold us on this idea that Veerling was a viable part-time center fielder. He's played fielder. 12 games. Yeah, he has, what, two hits? He has four hits in his last five games, I think. That doesn't sound right. You want to fact check me? Go for it. I feel like every time I see Matt Veerling come to bat, he just... He's at 172 right now. I'm doing that off the top of my head. I have no idea. I think he's at 172. He's got a couple hits. He had two hits the other day. He had two hits... um... He went 0 for on the 18th. He went 2 for 3 on the 19th. He went 0 for on the 20th. That's three games. Up, I have to pull up an expanded list. He had 0 for 3, 2 for 3, 0, 0, and, well, he didn't play on the 17th. So he had two hits. He was 2 for 5, 0 for 2, 2 for 3, 0 for 3. So he had four hits in his last five games. He has five hits on the season. And four of them came in the last five games. And on that the, brought his the, average up to 172. Yeah, well, what you're not saying in that stack, because that stat's a little misleading, is that he went 2 for 5, then 0 for... Then two for three, then over. That's what I said. He had four hits in five games. I don't care where the hits came from. He had four hits in a five-game span. That's a hit or miss guy. The boomer bust. I, I'm not. I, but it sounds like you were expecting an all-star. No, I was expecting. You said it's the biggest fail that Dombrowski has had. I'm expecting. He's the nine-hole the guy, hitter. I'm expecting the guy to not go over for the season until April 15th. Yeah, he's, he's a part-time player. He played 13 games. We're judging as if he played 162 and he stunk. I, I mean, think, he I played 34 games. He played 34 games last year. He hit 324. The Phillies organization. Is he a 324 hitter? Of course not. But no. in 34 games, he had 23 hits. He went way over. Now in 13 games, he has five hits. He's under. He should be hitting 250 for the year. He should be doing one out of every four. Yeah, him and everybody else. That's not 
that's not uh, – you're asking your nine-hole hitter now to hit 250. He's a major league hitter. Hit the ball. Okay. Well, that's not the biggest fail in the history of Dave Dombrowski's time with the Phillies. That's a preposterous comment. I said what I said. Yeah, well, it was wrong. We'll have the show coming up next. Now, back to more Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. All right, get ready to wrap up the show. Before we go, don't forget, game night has another chance for you to qualify tonight. We'll have one more coming up in just moments from now before we get on out of here. I want to remind you, today's Sports Bash is brought to you by... The pros at Philly Sports Trips. If you're a diehard Philly fan who's looking for some great Philly Sports road trips, it's time to check out the full trip lineup at phillysportstrips.com. I'm back on Monday, Sixers tomorrow at 2, right here on 97.3 ESPN. Have a great weekend, everybody. But before we go, I need caller number 7, 609-573-3776, 609-573-3776. Caller number 7, you are entered in for a chance to win a trip for two to the 2022 Eagles road game of your choice. It includes airfare, hotel, a pregame tailgate party, and two tickets to the Eagles road game of your choice. You must be present to win on Thursday at Slack Tide Brewing Company in Cape May Courthouse for our Eagles Draft Party Show where we will select one lucky winner to draft the Eagles road game of their choice. It's all brought to you by Philly Sports Trips and the food will be provided by Ernest & Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop in Brigantine. Stop on out. Caller number seven. We'll see you there. Josh has the final chance for you to enter on air. Coming up. At 6.50. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.